All right, everybody. We're rolling. We're live. This is episode. Take it away, buddy. <laughs> 142. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 141 of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. We'll be right back after the intro music. Thanks for nothing, Wigs. All right, everybody. Well, this next segment here, sometimes in your life, you meet this a force to be reckoned with, a force in nature. And sometimes that force in nature is actually like Mother Nature, but sometimes it's a person. And that person is a motorcyclist, and that person is creative, which is why, of course, we started the show Creative Writing, right? So I'm going to bring you an interview with somebody that I don't even remember how we got hooked up. I just know that it was via Facebook and there was a lot of cool stuff passed back and forth. And uh, so we got a little interview before me and Wiggs get into this week's show. And uh, I'm going to sit back and roll into it right here. So you guys, actually, you guys might want to go get a snack right now. Pause it right here, get a little snack, and sit back and enjoy this force of nature attack. All right, let's get into this. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. I'm here. We got another guest interview this week, and uh, this time it's coming to us not from the West Coast. It's coming to us somewhere in, I don't know. I, I'm super unfamiliar with the middle of the United States, and that's my goal here on the show, yeah, <laughs> to get acquainted with that. So on the line, we have another guest. I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Take it away. Okay. Hi, I'm Sarah Guthrie. I live in southeast Ohio, not too far from Athens, and also not too darn far from the Ohio River. Uh, I am not a native Ohioan, though. So, yeah, Sarah Guthrie, not Arlo's kid. I was a singer-songwriter for a long time, and I used to bill myself as not Arlo's kid because his kid's Sarah Lee. I'm Sarah Lynn. Oh, cool. People would see me at folk festivals. I traveled the country and, and performed and competed in songwriting competitions, and they'd say, oh, I heard Jen Mountain stage, and I'd say, no, you didn't. But Sarah Lee's very nice. I met her at a festival, had dinner with her and her husband and their kid, and then she got on stage, and I got to sit and watch. Nice. Because if you're not related to Arlo, you have to sit in the audience. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Arlo did contact me a couple of uh, New Year's days later, and he uh, was laughing. He said, boy, I found your website. Ha, ha, ha. He must have been Googling himself because it said not Arlo's kid. He's like, this is pretty funny. What if I married your mom? You won't be able to say that anymore. And I said, well, Arlo, she is available. Would you like me to ask? When I was, That's me, Sarah Guthrie, like the folk singers. And yeah. you can find my tunes under Damn Farm Girl, um, uh, Sarah Guthrie, Damn Farm Girl, on iTunes. All right. So I'm if gonna... you get the other Sarah Guthrie, it's not Damn Farm Girl. Now, that's something that we didn't uh, talk about earlier when we had, con- you know, when we made contact online. Is uh, So this is new to me, the singer-songwriter bit. I know. I've done a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we're we're going to find out on this little trip. So um, what else? What else do you do up there in uh, southeast Ohio, not from Ohio? Um, so what do I do? Let's see. I ended up in Ohio. I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa when I wasn't living in when I wasn't, let's see, when I was young, I traveled the world with my family. My dad worked for Chrysler, and we traveled around the world two and a half times, and then were relocated in Sydney, Australia. So in preschool, I was in Sydney, Australia, overlooking the ocean, and I came back 
to Des Moines, Iowa, when we moved stateside, uh, where my dad and mom are both from. Yeah, in Iowa. And you don't have an Iowa or an Australian accent, interestingly enough. Not anymore, but at, at the time, everybody wanted, they'd come up and go, oh, have her say something, have her say something, <laughs> because, you know, I'm a four-year-old learn to speak down, down under. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Iowa, and then, you know, the one thing about Iowa, it's a lovely place to grow up, but if you want to do anything, you kind of go, okay, what's next, and get out of it. So I went to Chicago for school. Didn't like Chicago that much, but I ended up meeting someone from Ohio and relocating to Ohio. So nice. here I am. And then that was Northern Ohio, but I didn't like Northern Ohio as much as I liked Southern and knew some folks. Well, let's see. We'll go back. So I was an existentialist in college. I wore a black beret and I wrote for the school newspaper and, you know, read French, German, Russian, 20th century literature, and I smoked a pipe. So... <laughs> um then I discovered hippies and became a hippie. Uh, went to a rainbow gathering here in Ohio, not far from where I'm sitting right now. And um, rainbow gatherings, do you know them? Uh, you know what? I've I've heard of them. Them and the uh, okay. the weathermen. Rainbow gatherings. Them. Yeah, well, they were started after Vietnam War. It was veterans and Native Americans getting together, going, "Wow, there's no place for us in this country." So they would gather every July Fourth in the National Forest, which is supposed to be there for the people. And kind of pray, and um, it was it was non-commercial. Nobody could sell anything. Everything was trade-based. Everybody brought whatever they could, and everybody shared out of communal kitchens. So you didn't have a solo fire. You had, like, a communal kitchen fire with everybody around you. That's in theory. You know, as it morphed, it changed. But it was also really, really key, really, really key that there was no alcohol allowed. Okay. Other substances, but no alcohol, because you may know this, but that's been a problem for some Native Americans as oh. well as veterans. So um, rainbow gatherings, yeah. So I did that for a number of years, and that's actually I got pregnant and gave birth at the rainbow gathering in – well, I gave birth at the rainbow gathering in Nevada in 1989. It was 100 miles from the closest town and five miles from our vehicles, so you had to hoof it down to the Jarbridge River in the Humboldt National Forest and squeeze a baby out, and there he was. So. <laughs> Get out of town. No, I know, right? This funniest thing, his name's Rush, he, and I can tell you the story of his name if you want, but the funniest thing is that um, he was working in Fort Collins where he'd moved to after college to be with a girl, and... Uh, so this van full of hippies pulls into his hardware store and they're like, yeah, we need a $5 wrench. And he's like, um, you know, I've got a multi-tool. Let me, what do you need? And he just had to tighten something on their battery, but he's talking to him going, well, where are you guys headed? Oh, we're going to the spring, uh, council to get ready for the rainbow gathering. He's like, oh, that's funny. I was born at the one in 89 in Nevada. They're like, oh my God, that's you. We were there. <laughs> wow. So that, are they, they still going on at, at this time? So you can look them up. The Rainbow Gathering of the Tribes is, yes, every July 4th they get together and have a huge gathering in some national forest. And there's a big prayer circle at noon on the 4th, which that's pretty cool. But the reality is people are kind of dirty and gross. And I've stayed at Rainbow Gatherings and done cleanup crew, and it's really disappointing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I won't go into it, but you can imagine. You can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know. It just seems like one of those things that, that used to happen a lot, but I don't hear about those anymore. So I guess you kind of got kind of to be in the know for that. You you kind of do are looking for it. So everyone knows about Burning Man just because it's been in the news a lot. Right. For a while, everyone knew about the rainbow gatherings because basically the Forest Service was trying to make them illegal and telling people they couldn't gather in the National Forest without a permit if hmm. it was more than like 10 or 12 people, which is like kind of not the point because yeah. the National 
forests are kind of supposed to be ours. That is part of your, I don't know, was that before, that was your singing songwriting career? Is this, was traveling so around? then or? I'd been, okay, so this is a cool story. I had a guitar, but I wouldn't let anybody see me play it or hear me sing okay. because I took voice lessons, but I was never a natural singer. So I had to really, really work to be just sort of okay. Well, there was a guy, I was with the Rainbow folks at the Democratic Convention in Atlanta, 88, and we had a camp by Little Five Points, I think. Anyway, so there was a guy who's hitchhiking, looked like a young um, Bob Dylan, Robert Zimmerman, you know, like big, curly, kind of froey hair, and he had a broken old guitar thrown over his back. It didn't even have a case, and he was hitchhiking from one corner of the United States to the other, but he would pull out his guitar and he would play two chords and he would get people dancing and he was off key and his guitar wasn't well tuned and people were dancing and playing drums and having a blast. And I looked at him and I went, well, shit, I can do that. <laughs> so that's when I started performing. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and then one of my bands early on was called GCDC. GCDC. Okay. Cause those were the chords we played. Oh, with a little, with a little lightning bolt down through the middle. Right. <laughs> That's so rad. Oh I my know. And I played banjo at that point. Yeah. Too, so. Man. Hey, you're, you're asking for, to make a comeback. I mean, that's, I, I find that with like a, a lot of the new Americana and the new kind of pop bands that are coming out, it's that's yep. the folky feels making like a big, big, uh, revival or a comeback, you know? It's so. true, but I gave it up about seven years ago. And I, the only time I pick up a guitar anymore is to play for my children at school. Yeah. So what I had hoped to do, honestly, was to sell some of my songs. So I was out there kind of trying to get people to acknowledge like, oh, this is a cool song. But I have an anthem called I Want to Be a Cowboy about a girl who wants to be a cowboy. And I have a song called I'm Going to Marry Myself, which is (laughs) it's it's a rollicking good time. It's it's very tongue in cheek. And then my favorite was one that I played at the Kerrville Folk Fest when I was a new new folk finalist there. And it's called, it's a sing-along. It's called I'm All Right and You're All Wrong. It's all sing-along. Right. And I had 500 people, Pete Seeger, me, and, and actually sing along. It was pretty awesome. No, no kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. So, okay. So singer, songwriter, existentialist, uh, author, rainbow warrior. What else yeah. have we got here? Well, so then I moved to this area because I realized I had a child and I needed to put him somewhere. And this area by Athens has a lot of intentional communities. I don't know if you know that, but it's a it's kind of a hippie bastion like Boulder, only smaller and with no mountains. Uh, so we knew some folks that had community farms, and I ended up buying land with some money that I hadn't spent on college that my grandparents had left me. And I bought 184 acres, an old abandoned farm that had been a rental for 30 years, and the house had been actually empty and was full of trash, and all the wiring was ripped out, and all the copper pipes were gone. Got 184 acres for 40,000 back in 92 and put my son down and said, here. (laughs) And then I looked around and said, other people, come help me with this. And so I started a community farm. It was called the Dam Farm because they had beavers, right? So I've got swampland and I've got cliffs. And the swampland at one point had had beaver dams and they'd had to explode them because they were degrading the road and taking out the the bridge. But we would come home at night to the Dam Farm, D-A-M. And that's how I became Damn Farm Girl, which was my handle. When I when I was a rainbow, I was dragon bait because Sarah means princess and princesses are dragon bait. But then when I was at the Damn Farm, I became Damn Farm Girl, and that was what I traveled and performed under. All right. I had, I'd written Damn Farm Girl, and let me tell you, I amended it. I took off the 
the end <laughs> at and the end of dam. Yeah. So now I get it. That makes yeah. uh, that story yep. comes around. Yep. Hey, yeah, on, a side, on a side note, yes. could you imagine being this beaver and then <laughs> like one day your house blows up and you're like, what the hell? Did yeah, I, did I leave yeah, the gas I on? Can. Yeah. 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 Um, I know so you... let me tell you something about intentional community. It's a oh. great right. pipe dream. It's a this. wonderful pipe dream. Let me make a side note here. 1125. Okay. Yeah. Attentional yeah. community. Intentional community. Um, we Americans are not hardwired for getting along with others and cooperating. Uh, neighborhoods, I think, are much healthier. Um, a lot of people who are drawn to alternate culture, and I think this is true on the left and the right, when it's real far out there, they're usually pretty broken, myself included. I was abused as a child. I was raised by alcoholic parents who divorced. My mom took it out on me and my younger sister. You know, So it goes on and on and on. But that turned out everyone else at my intentional community was broken as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this comes out over time. So there's no one there anymore. One woman sold her piece of land that I'd given, basically given to her. And another woman um, sold back to me. And so I still have 105 acres. And that's where we have, uh, we live. You can't see any other lights. I built a house in the late 90s. Um, it's passive solar. It's got solar electric now. Um, the old farmhouse is pretty much condemnable and, uh, it's beautiful. We got miles and miles and miles of trails. I hike every day, every damn day. I'm out on my trails with my dogs. Every D-A-M, every damn day. mm -hmm, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I love the land so much and we've put so much work into the land that it's really nice. People are coming and staying there now. And they just crave a bit of peace. They're like, can I please just sit by a campfire under the stars and have nothing? <laughs> yeah. And that's hard yeah. That's hard to find nowadays, especially the uh, the stars bit, just because cities yep. are moving out and the light pollution is one thing. You know what I'm saying? So I know. I do. I do. And then you go to a campground, and this happened when we were out years ago touring through the West, and we were in a campground, I think, in Utah. And we got it. A camp, like a tent, and the guy with the generator next door fires it up at five thirty to run his air, air conditioning. Oh, geez, ah, <laughs> that's glamping so. to the max, right there. No, yeah, well, that's not. That's that's how everybody feels like you have to do it anymore. But yeah, yeah, no more uh, pitching, no more carrying just your tent on your bike and pitching it. You know, a lean to. Mm-hmm. You can do that, but you have to really work to find those places. Yeah, yeah. So you guys have. Uh, an establishment where people come, you guys have, you know, is it when you invite people to come there, is it, uh, so it's through Airbnb actually these days. Oh, okay. And what's the name of that? It is called blue heron run. Okay. Which is what we named. We're, we've got about a mile of road frontage on the onion Creek and the onion Creek is a decent sized Creek. It usually doesn't dry up in the summertime. It'll get down to just some puddles, but then there's a little tiny Creek off of it that runs back a beautiful holler behind the old farmhouse. And we named that blue heron run because from day one, the first day I arrived, I saw blue herons and being a city girl from Iowa, I said, what the hell is that? It looks like a pterodactyl. (laughs) And since then we've seen them all up and down the Creek. Sometimes we scare them up when we're walking the dogs. We had a mated pair fly over our house one year and I have a large, um, print that a printmaker friend of mine made of two blue herons flying in my bedroom. Nice. Um, so blue herons are sort of, yeah, our, um, 
We've also got fox. I've seen mink. I've seen muskrat. I mean, we've got all kinds of coyotes just walking, just like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. So you're <laughs> There's not... bear not too far from us. Oh, wow. Crazy. Oh, uh, bobcats. I've seen bobcats. And the local university is the bobcats. And I'm like, damn, that's a bobcat. And it turned around and looked at me and was like, what? Because bobcats don't take shit, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty ferocious for a small, smaller cat, you know? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. And so this is on your actual property there in yep. uh in Ohio. What type of yep. stuff are do you do you have glampers there? Do you have um like We have people there this weekend, yes. Oh, no, nice. Nice. Yep. And I'm cheating a little bit cuz we talked about it off air, but um can you describe like I you sent me a link and I checked it out and a, it looks fabulous. It looks like this. Uh, it just looks like so much fun. And I thought you had right. some yurts there, but y- can you can you tell us what actually uh, I was seeing in these pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go to blueheronrun.com or if you find us on Facebook, you have to search. You, they don't let you search by the name. You have to search Albany, Ohio, which is the town four miles away that we live near. Okay. Anyway, so the tents themselves, yeah, they're not yurts, but the guy who designed them had yurts in mind and he had teepees in mind. They're 10 feet tall in the center. The sides are only a couple of feet tall, the yurt-type sides. Um, And so they're canvas tents with a big pole in the center. They were designed in the Civil War by General Bell, who uh, made them basically to sleep a whole lot of troops in. And so instead of sleeping a bunch of troops, we just put a um, nice queen-size mattress with real sheets in there and a box spring and a little shag carpet for your feet and a little velour chair and you set up outside and there's no electric and there's an outhouse and there's a bag shower and there's enough firewood because we've got plenty, plenty, plenty of firewood. And you just sit by the fire and look up at the stars. Nice, man. That sounds... And the road that goes by is so quiet that people are like, does anyone live down there? <laughs> right, right. They'll, they'll see one car maybe go by and you're not by the road. You're way back off the road. There are two tents currently set up and they're far enough away that you can't see each other. You might hear somebody if they go, woo, you know, by the fire, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, so going so back. Privacy and romance. Right. And going back to the, you know, the city and camping around cities, uh, you, you can actually see stars there. It sounds like that's. You can absolutely. Oh no. From, uh, the stars are incredible. If it's a clear night, you can see millions of stars. Oh, we have had the best viewing for some of the, um, the Perseids are usually pretty good. Is that the August one? Uh, sure. Yeah. Perseids <laughs> are awesome. Yeah, they are. Cause the Leonids are not the August one. You would think they would be, but they're coming out of Leo. Yeah. We've had just amazing stargazing. And, um, we, uh, when I first lived there in the old farmhouse, we were non-electric. We had some solar and we had um, a well that we dipped a bucket in. So I had two babies in cloth diapers for years with just hauling all my own water. We took a bath out back where you set your bathtub. It's an Appalachian hot tub. You set your bathtub up on blocks and then you light a fire under it and you put down a piece of uh, heavy duty um, plywood to sit on. Yeah. Was our bathtub? That is awesome. You know, a, a lot of what you're screaming right now is sounds a lot like Arkansas, where my family grew up. I mean, they didn't have electricity okay. until that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, until the '60s, and it's like you know the rest of the. I mean, people had electricity in the 1860s. You know, so they uh, yes, exactly, took 100 yeah. years to get there. But it's actually so peaceful, and yep. it's, it's on a creek as well. So just that sound when you when you 
live in the city and you come out to somewhere like that, it's such a relaxing, it's a whole mindset change. It's hard to. Oh, I watch people. We had one guy, a cement worker, and he showed up and you could just see how tightly wound he was. And two days in, he's he's like, oh, you know, they've yeah. been frolicking in the creek and oh. flipping over rocks and looking for, you know, crawdads and just, just having a time of it. Yeah, so. it's good. It's good to get back to kind of where we came from as humans just you know yeah. getting back to earth and and not having our, our cell phone and a wi-fi tower right next to you i, I actually like that sort of stuff um yep. that's awesome blue hair and run i'm gonna put that in the show notes and, and uh, check that out um anything well, else you got on your plate anything else you like to do in your spare time well i just went for a big old ride on some of the serpent bones. nice let's <laughs> this talk- morning yeah i made it back and uh was just wolfing down a uh, big fruit smoothie before i before I got on the phone with that you. That sounds good. Go ahead. I was going to uh-huh. say, let's talk about, um, I know one more thing you do is uh, you've sent me some movie clips that you've uh, worked on. Yes. And so yes. you have a, a movie career and, and somewhere in here, we'll get into motorcycles, but this is a, it's is a, it's a, I mean, you've got a full life going on right now and, and all this stuff is so interesting. I can't believe I'm just talking to one person. So quickly before, right. so- before we get to the bikes and the, and the serpent's bones, uh, walk me through the, the film your little film career. Sure. Sure. I, my daughter has commented to me that she gets really, really into something for a few years and then goes, okay, I get that. And then moves on to something else. And that's sort of been me, you know, um, I did one style of dance and then I did a different style of dance. And then at one point my daughter and I took belly dancing classes together. Um, and then I went in and got my yoga teacher certification. I mean, it's just kind of like I dabble in stuff and go, okay, I think I got that. Um, I think motorcycling is going to stick mostly because it's something I started doing with my husband after the kids were, you know, grown. And um, he's been riding since he was 11. Okay. So I've been riding for about five years now. Oh, cool. Um, Solo, solo. Well, so I was riding on the back of his bike. He didn't have a bike for when the kids were young. And then he got himself like a a trail bike and would just go on the state forest trails back um, not too far from our house. And then one day he showed up with a Kawasaki Velcan 900 and I went, Ooh. Um, so in the, so I rode on the back of that, he would ride it say to Montana and then I would fly out and meet him and hop on the back and we would do the mountains. Yeah, that sounds um, like fun. <laughs> yeah, really fun. It was, it was an introduction to what motorcycling could be about. So in the process of reinventing myself, cause I'm older, I'm 53. Let's see. Yeah. 53. Um, I, I got you by about a hundred years, actually. I'm 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 almost, I'm going to be a hundred and fifty three here pretty soon. So. Oh, cool, cool, cool. How is that? Looking back, it's very. Uh, it's been a very full life. <laughs> yes, um, but you know, midlife crisis had cancer. You know, uh, kids growing up and moving out of the home. Not bad. It's just all big changes. And in the process, I left teaching and went back to school. My husband had gotten a really good job in a corporate office where he was making more than we made together before. So it gave me the freedom to go back to school and get a second master's. I have one in education. This one I got in journalism because I've always been a writer, always, always, always had pseudonyms and I published, self-published a lot of my own stuff. What um, what did you teach? Did you teach journalism or, or creative writing? No, like no, no, no. I taught preschool. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I have a degree in special ed. So my first year teaching, I was special ed. Then I was preschool. Um, left that, went back to um, journalism, realized I wasn't a journalist, started doing creative writing. Well, I'd been writing for the theater for my daughter because she and her friends all wanted to put on plays. I'd been um, writing books 
for a long time. So I just turned some of my ideas into different formats and then started learning about screenwriting. Uh, got in touch with some folks. There's a film school at Ohio University right up here in Athens. Got in touch and said, I'm wanting to screenwrite if anyone needs um, a script. So that's where some of the master's students, all they have to do a project at the end. So I ended up working with a just lovely man, um, Satish Moore, who's now out in L.A. actually. Oh, crazy. I'll look him up. Super, super smart. Um, grew up in the slums of uh, India. Dirt poor. Yeah. So he's put himself through a lot and very bright guy. Um, yeah. In his movie that he made, we, we, we collaborated on the idea. I basically threw him a bunch of ideas. I said, well, we could do this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, pick one. And he said, I kind of like this one, but take it this direction. And so I did that. And then how about this? And then, um, so I did the main scripting and then he added some touches here and there and tweaked some things that he wanted to kind of express something differently. So it was a wonderful collaboration. and I'd love to do something like it again. Yeah. And then I ended up scripting um, another uh, master's thesis. that was a little bit shorter, more like 10 or 12 minutes long. And uh, that was good because uh, it was just a different style and a different director. Yeah. So then I, I had my screenplays, my my longer screenplays. I had one about a homeschooler who transitioned to middle school in eighth grade based on my own children's experiences as well as a bunch of the kids that kind of homeschooled with them. And they all transitioned in sixth, seventh, or eighth grade, almost all. Uh, so you go to school thinking you're going to become normal. Turns out no one's normal. And so that's really what that was about. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have, school school is yeah. like one of the weirdest places. You know, it can be one of the craziest places. Oh my. Actually, well, yeah. it's the place, right? Because it's the only place in your life where you're going to be required to be with everybody from all walks of life. Yeah. My son ended up being the, um, you know, this, the Analyze This movie where you've got the Billy Crystal character and the, the mob boss, Robert De Niro, comes to him and, hey, you've got to listen to me, you know? Yeah. Um, my son ended up being that psychoanalyst for the punk at school, and he heard some horrifying stories. Yeah. Knives, girls oh. pregnant, oh, all this man. kind of stuff. But this kid relied on him like, hey, Rush, come here. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you something real quick. Sure. Man, crazy. Uh, so are you currently, besides uh, you know Blue Heron, are you working on any films right now? The one that you sent me, if you don't mind me mentioning the poetry machine. Is that, yes. Okay, so that one I thought was really creative. It was interesting, and uh, I just like wow. It's it was a it was a interesting idea, and it looks like it was maybe a, a short film uh, for yes. Some, yeah. Okay. It was his master's thesis, about twenty two minutes. Okay. Right. 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 So, and I thought that was pretty cool, you know. And I was looking at it, going, wow. Like it took a lot of people just to make that, and I'm sure it took. Yeah, I'm not sure. Even, you know, I couldn't even yeah. speculate how long it took to make that because I know how long it takes to make a podcast. I couldn't imagine right. a film, how, how long that actually took. But um, I really liked it. And are you working on – and you were like one of the writers on that. And I was the – yeah, Satish and I wrote – like basically crafted that. And he said, can you can I have, you know, dual credit for it? And since I knew he was going into the film industry, I was like, dude, sure thing. Yeah. It's your film. You know, like I, it was an honor to work with him. Yeah. Are you doing anything so I currently? Whoops. Well, so I you know it's fine. I have several screenplays that I have been out to LA and tried to market. Here's the problem: if you're not out there in the industry, me- meeting and greeting and schmoozing and talking ideas with people, you just or know someone. Like if I really was related to Arlo Guthrie, I could probably get a film sold. Um, so from Ohio, I have. I had some contact with Satish over the summer, actually, about collaborating. And then we went our separate ways because his film was light as I wanted mine to be. 
I wanted a humor. I'm kind of in the mood for humor. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, had some, some bites on homeschooler V middle school. I have another swashbuckling, um, adventure tale that features a strong female. Um, so she basically ends up saving everybody, you know, including the pirate, but, uh, you know, without me being out there, <laughs> I can have all the ideas. I can write all the scripts, but no, I'm, I don't really, ha- I'm teaching here. I'm motorcycling here. This is what I'm doing. So yeah. that's, that's sitting there. And if at some point I could collaborate, I would love to collaborate with somebody who's maybe out there working in the industry. Yeah. Uh, because what I'm really good at is the ideas. So the idea that I told you I was working on this last summer revolves around, yeah, a pole studio. Because guess what's hot these days? My daughter takes pole dancing, and I think it's freaking amazing, (laughs) right? She was the belly dancer her senior year in in high school for the local Middle Eastern place. And now she's belly dancing, and she, or not, I mean, she's pole dancing, and she's climbing this pole and hanging upside down and going, wee! (laughs) And it's amazing. She uh... also volunteers on the weekends with sick kids and dresses up as a superhero <laughs> nice that's amazing or princess depending on what the theme is so. right you know i i don't think people for a long time got enough credit for uh dancing around poles because it's it's so it's hard physical. yeah uh so both of my kids live in denver now and i went out to visit and went to the yeah the colorado pole championship um it was incredible just i mean beautiful artistic incredibly um physical it was really cool nice. yeah a lot of creativity yeah yeah men and women both oh but wow more women crazy yeah. crazy yeah yeah i don't think people got enough um you know oh strippers this and that i don't th- think people got no. enough credit for their athleticism back you know well the thing strippers don't climb poles strippers walk around poles in high heels <laughs> right. dancers climb poles yeah. and it's a completely different thing yeah. yeah so but basically you can imagine the kind of um like like binge watching netflix amazon whatever you know 30 minute comedy that you could have it was basically going to take place split between a pole studio which is really empowering to women. And then the podcaster next door, who his his girlfriend's opening the poll studio, but he works on a podcast. Right. So the draw, think about, I mean, you're just sitting there going, wait, oh yeah. No, and then, you know, so he's trying to understand her and the empowerment and be supportive. And at the same time, it's a little hard and he's feeling a little emasculate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and maybe his, his guy friends, one of them's pulling him, you know, like man stuff. <laughs> That's so. that's actually a really cool idea. I I do have to say you're you're onto something here because you would not I mean, you probably can't imagine how many thousands and hundreds of thousands of screenplays and pe- things yes. that people, even popular people write, and they just get yep. binned or put in a file. Even like, you know, yep. Spielberg and all these guys, the, yep. half the time that's why they ended up making their own studios is because, uh, right. you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people that get told no. And and I have to say that when I first moved up here, I think it was 20, yep. 2007, I think there was a huge writer strike and you I mean, yep. Netflix was I full. Yeah. yeah. So that's when all these people got their shot, actually, is like Netflix was full of zombie attack four and like this and, you know, all these crazy yep. things started coming out that were cheesy. Sharknado never would have become an enterprise right. had the writer strike <laughs> not happened, right? But all I, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, all this, when, when that happens, they go, go to these things and you realize how many 
things actually get submitted. And there was some good stuff too. I'm not just saying the cheesy ones, but I'm just saying when stuff like that gets greenlit, you can only imagine how much great stuff they also have just waiting in a file cabinet that never gets made. So, Oh, I understand completely. It's nuts. And the reality is, yeah, I've been out to LA and I've spent time and, and I'm never going to come live out there. So until, well, until somebody, there's actually a production company that's set up not too far from here in Nelsonville, which is in Northern Athens County. Um, Until I start working with somebody really probably locally or at least regionally um, to, to create content, because just like with podcasts, everyone has their own interview show. Didn't used to be that way. It used to be Johnny Carson, you know, and and Merv Griffith. That was it. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's decentralizing and, um. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. I turned my mic down, but I I forgot you could You're... still hear. <laughs> oh. I was like, oh god. I do you so do you work in the film industry? No, I do not actually. But I but have you... I, I have several friends that do. One of my good friends from high yeah. school actually um is a uh works from well his company works with marvel now and he's but he's right. worked on like a bunch of stuff and uh i got another friend that works at the henson company and i mean people all, oh, cool. all all my friends that do other stuff they work in the industry they call it when you live out here but yes, the thing is I, is yeah th- are you in the industry that's the first thing people ask me whenever i meet I know. new people yep. and it's like yep. what oh that's like their lingo everybody here does something else for that you know what i'm saying so yeah I, yeah yeah, you yeah. Do. i do it's interesting so no it's i i don't it is i don't <laughs> but that's I, okay it's all right no i had a i had a good friend from um when i was at northwestern he was in the master's program in theater and he ended up moving out to la and i would visit him sometimes and he would take me around and he'd be filming a commercial or something and i'd, I'd just be you know kind of watching and seeing what was going on so yeah jesse had a lot of um insights into the industry it's pretty exhausting yeah and it's uh (laughs) there are so many improv schools and you know everybody's trying to get their little piece of the peanut but uh, you know let's say 50 100 people make it and oh i know you know what i'm saying there's everybody moves out here to la to do something they end up being waitresses at uh, a bar or you know some some of the guys end up being like improv comedy on the weekend and then working donut shop during the day or whatever it is sure. because sure. and that's okay because it's their that's their path they need to work through yeah uh but musicians one, every right. i mean everything that you do musician screenwriter i, I mean you you could be like five different people out here and you're one person is so crazy <laughs> so so oh, to go back having come from a really fucked up childhood uh-huh can i say that word uh, anyway no. um <laughs> of course you can okay uh and being someone who's super creative anyway, but then driven to try to prove my worth because when you're emotionally abused and put down and told you're no good, you will never feel quite right inside. And so you're always, always, always look at this, look at this, try that, you know, mm, 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 mm. so that's where a lot of the drive comes from. And it's good recognizing it now because I am in a great place where I've got, I've, I've ended the cycle of abuse. My kids had wonderful ch- childhoods, a little weird, I will admit full of a lot of crazy characters that's true too but they're both really high functioning healthy people in their 20s you know um my husband's amazing this is the second husband we both had starter marriages um it happens but 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 on my friends i've learned what i don't want in friends which is i don't want to be used anymore i don't want people who are going to threaten me if i don't do what they want me to do the way they want me to do it so it's it's all good you know it's part of the process but when i was a 
kid looking at what are what are people saying you should do? How how do you do this? Tom Robbins is a, a writer from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, wrote a lot of alternative stuff. You've heard of Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, I yeah. think, probably. Woodpecker is still blues. alive, Even Cowgirls yes. Get the Blues. So one of, uh, I got all kinds of great things from him. One was at the end of Still Life with Woodpecker. He goes to manual writing because he's tired of his typewriter. And one of the two things he's like, one, everything is part of it, meaning you're always being, paying attention, even the bad stuff. It's all part of it. And two, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. So what I did was I came here and I bought the damn farm and I had a happy childhood in conjunction with my own children's. So by giving them a happy childhood, I got to have one. Nice. Two, he used to say in one of his other books, I don't remember which one, that most people are too damn scared to write their own movie, much less star in it. And I'm like, that's me. I'm going to I'm gonna write my own movie. I'm going to star in it. So out here in Southeast Ohio, there's room for someone kind of as big and phrenetic as me to do that. Right. So I am kind of a force in this area and people are a little bit like, oh, my God, what are you doing now? That's OK. I get to do that here. If I came to L.A., I wouldn't get I'd have to hide it under a barrel. You know, it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't be a healthy thing at all. You'd have to have so, a therapist. Everybody would ask you who your therapist is and I know, right? <laughs> all the L.A. Yeah. blab. Yeah. Oh, that would be my motorcycle is my therapist. Yeah. So, so hey, let's. Yeah, let's um, transition into that. Now, you, the the last thing that you have on your list here that I have for you is the serpent's bones. And on top of all this amazing, I mean, this is just a crazy, uh, amazing life that you've had and have. Yeah, <laughs> yes. you've got one more thing, which is the the serpent's bones. And I, I read a bunch of that too. And, and uh, that was really amazing. And apparently that's right out, not too far from Blue Heron Run, correct? So Blue Heron Run is our farm, and we do have swampland that floods. If it's raining for two days or three days, you can't get there from here, and the, the bottom below our house is moving, all moving. So it floods on that side. On the other side of the road are cliffs, sandstone cliffs, and they're really cool. And one rock kind of sticks out, and you call it, we call it lookout point, and the coyotes go up and poop there because it's like and then my dogs go up, and they're like, no, no, me too. But um, <laughs> So we've got we – are, we are the serpent's chin. And this is a constellation, the way that constellations don't exactly match the stars. The serpent doesn't exactly match the roads, but it informs where the roads are. So what this idea started with was when I started writing, I found that I love writing and I love maps. I have a very analytical brain. My parents tried to have a boy child. They ended up with four girls. Um, I was the third girl. I was supposed to be a boy. What they didn't realize is that I have the physical outward of a, a girl and the brain of a boy. <laughs> right. I've done like, I've really looked at this. My daughter has a brain of a girl and she does girl things and I don't do girl things. I have a very analytical, what people think of as a male brain. Right. Um, I was great at trigonometry calculus. I tutored those, you know, like um, it doesn't doesn't change who I am. It's just a thing that I've noticed over time. So maps, maps are awesome. Maps, fucking maps. Um, and around here, what we have is a university in Athens, but everywhere else was mines, coal mines, surface mines, down in the in the ground mines, and the roads to get to those mines and the farms that were around the mines um, are two lane, and they are undulating they pass through these hills and they wind and they bend and they hey there's some people riding hey guys um (laughs) so 
they're unimproved. Nobody took the time to straighten or flatten anything out. So I don't know how much you've ridden. If, you, if you've if you been to Arkansas, I'm sure you've been on some roads that, you know, you're hanging sideways a bit uh, as you're going. Yeah, and I mean. And you're going up over the hill and then the road moves. Yeah. And you better move with it or you're going to be in that farmer's field. So. Oh, yeah. So much fun. So much fun. And I've had my Transalp, Honda Transalp, 1989, same year my son was born. Five years and put almost 14,000 miles on it. All in Southeast Ohio. All in Southeast Ohio from Cambridge um, and Zanesville all the way down to Portsmouth, Ironton. Um, So this whole area, I've been over and over and over and over a lot of these roads. And since it's a dual sport and I keep the knobby tires on it, if it looks like fun, even though it's gravel or dirt, I can go down it, which is awesome. If it's real, real track, I can't because the bike's too heavy. So I've been some really fun, interesting places. But um, for something, if I really wanted to be out in the woods, I'd need to get a smaller bike. Um, So And and the Serpent's Bones, yeah, when I was looking at it and I I was trying to figure out, because like you said, dudes love maps, right? I I love looking at it. I was trying to piece it together. And yeah, I realized that it wasn't like a, perfect drawing or a representation of the the graphic that was on there i wasn't sure if it was a right. burial ground you know because i was like are they, is this one of those like native burial grounds that they found and it recreates this thing but then i then i started piecing it together and i saw yeah you've got a uh, different it's just different um like loops and different single track that connects pieces here and here and here and when you put right. it all together it creates this like crazy large network that you know, yes. like you like you were saying, like a constellation creates this beast to the serpent, if you will. And, <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, and it's got antlers and ears and a spine and tails and claws and all these yep. different roots that uh, it's a, it's amazing to check out. Um, how did you get acquainted with that, or what? Like, what was the impetus to uh, put that together, or actually, who even started that whole thing? So, so let me tell you, when I started writing, I went, Ooh, and then my husband and I were like, maybe he's been in business forever and maybe we should make some maps, you know, and, and, and sell maps. Like that would be a business. Well, nobody buys maps anymore. And so I kind of realized that I started talking to people about, Ooh, you know, we need some motorcycling roads down here. Motorcycling roads would be really cool. I could do that. I'm out there. I know them. And so the visitors bureau in Athens heard my idea and went, yeah, that's great. But they didn't use me. They used some guys that they knew. And they made something called the Windy or Windy 9, which you can find online. And all of those routes, the goal is to have people stay in Athens and then ride these routes. So they all go from Athens and back to Athens, tourist, which is fine. Like a tourist trade route, basically. It's absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's basically my motive, my inspiration is called AppalachianBackroads.com. It's the one that covers Western Virginia, not West Virginia, Western Virginia and Eastern Kentucky. And it's it's a collaboration of convention and visitors bureaus developing these routes, featuring local businesses on the routes, and it's where the Tale of the Dragon is. So that was the original route that they then built it out into a multi-million dollar tourism industry. Gotcha. So I went to Vinton County where I actually teach school. Vinton County is next door west of Athens County. It is the poorest, most rural, uh, least populated county in Ohio of the 88 counties. It's got a lot of state forests. Zaleski State Forest is over there. It's got um, incredible poverty. Um, Some of these kids, you just can't even imagine how they live. And I'm not going to make you cry right now, but. um, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So anyway, I went to, yeah, I went to Vinton County 
Convention and Visitors Bureau, the one guy that works there. And I said, hey, Caleb, I think I want to do this. Maybe we can get a grant. He's like, sure, okay. Um, well, I got tired of thinking about grants because I've done grants. I did them for my singer-songwriter, my second album. And they're slow and the process is excruciating. So last winter, we had a bunch of snow days and actually flood days because Vinton County floods just like my bottom does. Um, and I was getting bored with sitting around, so I just made the website. Yeah. Uh, and I say just, it started with, uh, okay, I researched and said, okay, what would be a good story? Because if you want people to get hooked, you have to have a good story. So I was researching dragons, and it couldn't be a dragon because the tail of the dragon is unique to the area that it's in. Um, but you want something that people go, oh, I want to ride the serpent's bones, which sounds a little naughty, but I like that about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the serpent, I, I found that the Algonquin and the Shawnee were a part of the Algonquin nation. The Shawnee used to hunt. We're, we live in their old hunting grounds. They lived in Chillicothe town, but they came here to hunt. And the property behind my property is was known as the place of big water. And it's where they used to camp because there's an artesian well that puts out over 2,000 gallons of water a day. So we've got big water underneath of us, underneath us. And then the Native Americans would camp there and then and then hunt on our property. So I found a reference to, you know, there weren't dragons here, but there were serpents here. And then the Algonquin held sacred Kinapiqua, which is what it kind of talks about on the front page of the website. And I just started researching Kinapiqua. This is cool. You know, tell me more. Well, okay. So it's a horse-faced, changeable water serpent. It can have multiple, it can change. So metamorphose. So I'm like, cool, then I can make it anything I kind of want it to be. So it's a horse-faced serpent. Well, we've been clearing um, a lot of brush and debris down at the old um, farmhouse site that had been let go really bad. So we had a bonfire over Christmas. And I don't remember if it was Christmas Eve or if it was New Year's Eve. We had a big bonfire. And I'm sitting by the bonfire and thinking about the serpent and sitting by the bonfire. And all of a sudden, I looked into the fire. And I have this on video. There's the serpent. It's got two eyes. It was a pine trunk. It had two glowing eyes. It had a nose that was kind of horse-faced. It, it looked like it had a little lip. And then it had two glowing, smoking nostrils. And it was just sitting in my fire crazy it was really cool it, i think i might have posted them on my instagram and the instagram is serpents bones ohio so if you go there you might be able to see the video of the serpent snorting yeah. at me so that's that was okay it's like okay it's here time to go so then i created the website and then i've been adding routes to it so it started with the heart because that's where the heart of the serpent goes around lake hope and Lake Hope is about 30 minutes from our house. And the roads on either side of it, east and west, are just lovely. The roads through the middle of it are just lovely. The, you know, so, so that's the first big loop. Lake Hope is an easy place to find. It's got cabins. It's got camping. It's got a beautiful lake. It's got a place to eat, a wonderful, wonderful um, lodge overlooking the lake. So that's like I don't have to work to sell Lake Hope. Yeah. But then if you enter there, then you can go, oh, because Benton County has lots and lots of two-lane paved roads that no one's on. So natural beauty and history. The other thing, the other industry before the coal mines was actually the iron furnaces. And if you look at the iron, see, I love history too. If you look at the iron furnaces, there's something called the Hanging Rock Iron Furnace, Iron Area. And it starts there in Vinton County, goes all the way down to Ironton. All the towns are named for things like furnace and iron and ore and, and like ore town. Um, and so the 
they what the furnaces were was um, they got the raw ingredients for pig iron and then they cooked it down by cutting all the forests and burning. Literally, they would have 25 foot diameter bonfires, rake the, the cook cook those down to coals that they would shove into the furnace and then melt the iron. Mm. Um, the Civil War battleships, all the iron for the battleships and the cannons and all that pretty much came from this area. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, that's, I yeah, love- Yeah, so you can go see the old furnaces. So the furnaces yeah. are made out of sandstone and they look like little chimneys. And there's one right, right by Lake Hope that's on the main drag 278. And it's a very well-preserved one. My husband and I just went and saw another one further south today when we were out riding. We went down to Cooper Hollow, Cooper Hollow Wildlife Area, and there's a neat one down there too. Um, so sandstone and the rocks around here, we've got flint, we've got sandstone, we've got limestone are the reason that this area is so hilly. We look a lot more like West Virginia than we do like Northern Ohio. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed like all the, the elevation and, and stuff like that, but I've seen the pics and yeah, it's pretty amazing looking. Yeah. And uh, what a good way to, you know, get that kind of production out of the way is just to build it into the natural sandstone, right? They, they, some of these yeah. are carved into the hills, correct? Yes. I mean, and some of them... Yes. Yeah. Some uh, of them are. Keystone Furnace, the one that we looked at today, was carved in and then had more um, sandstone stacked on top. And my husband's gotten into working sandstone a little bit, so he's uh, really interested in rock. And um, it was really cool because he went above our house where we've got our sandstone cliffs and he's been up there. And what you do is you drill holes and then you put these feathers and wedges in and they literally, you just tap them in. I had a four-year-old do some, um, you know, with a little hammer, you just tap them in, tap them in, tap them in. And then the, the rock splits and breaks apart. So he'd done this to a bunch of the rocks and then he found this big flat one. He's going, this is cool. So he's going to take the moss off the top and he started clearing the moss. And there, darn, if there isn't a drilled hole, one, two, three, four, from a hundred years before when they'd been quarrying sandstone to make the um, cold cellar down at the old farmhouse. No kidding, dude. That is yeah, crazy. They left that one. They drilled the holes and were like, what happened? Did the mule die? Yeah. Are they, <laughs> like, they're like, ah, we don't need any more, but it was ready. Dude, that is crazy. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And that is some of, some of the stuff that you can find just cruising around these back roads, right? I mean, Yes, man. exactly, yes. Or, or if you know it's there, um, like the tunnels, the railroad tunnels, some of them, you have to know the name of them and the GPS locations and, you know, go find them in the woods or just off of a road there. Yeah. Oh, that is so rad. I'm, I, I, like I said, I checked out the serpent's bones, but there's so much to it. You've been, you've been a busy person. Uh, I've been busy. yeah. Cause yeah. It, cause each time, and I think there was, uh, you know, there's a lot of pictures that document this. There's some cool pictures of your bike out there. Um, yep. And so, yeah, I mean, you've you've done a good job of showing where this stuff is if you're, you know, looking to tour around there. And yeah. I, I think this is cool because a lot of people that travel obviously say, oh, my one of my bucket list things is the tail of a dragon or Sturgis yeah. or this and that. And yes. I think that I find that this idea is kind of a way to get off the main drag and exactly. get back into the into some of the history and then like you're saying some of the not only the uh the physical history but like the the geographic history of the the area like look at all these crazy um like you're you know the example of why is it shaped like this and it's because yeah the sandstone erodes pretty easily yep. you know and so yeah you've got hills and turns and it and it just looks fun too i mean I mean, there's all this history stacked underneath it, but it just looks like a lot of fun, and it looks like it's pretty cool and and yeah. shady in there. So I, I, you know, when it's been it's been like a hundred and something out here, the desert's always yeah. fun and great, but 
I prefer wooded areas because I was born in one sort of, yeah. you know, so I mean, I prefer no, stuff yeah. like that. And to look at that, it looks like a lot more fun than just riding out here in scrub brush. <laughs> no, know? it's true. So it's interesting because we're a different climate here, actually. We are in a temperate forest. Yeah, okay. The biodiversity here in the Ohio River Valley is insane. And the moisture, like it's not just about humid, but like things just like the, there's just moisture everywhere huh. it, it, and and people are kind of amazed they're like wow you know this and and yeah it's it's I, I like it because i think that water having camped various places with the rainbow gathering and such water is always critical the very first thing you have to take care of is where's the water where's yeah. the good water and good water is not a given and one of the real dangers is that we keep poisoning the ground and forget that the water comes out of the ground. Yeah. The water you drink comes out of the ground. So I'm fortunate that I have a bunch of springs on my property, but then there's a bunch of water around in different places. So you can go get good water at different <laughs> springs. Um, but one of my routes that I did early on was the tongue because 681 goes just a mile from my house, State Route 681. It starts... Uh, to the west of us slightly at 356, right outside a town called, guess what? Mineral. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you 81, don't say. yeah, goes from that western terminus and it goes all the way down to the Ohio River. And that's the tongue. And it's lovely, 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 lovely. Can't even oh, sing his praises. And there's no one out there. I will ride for 45 minutes and maybe see one truck. Wow. There's no one on these roads. A lot of the roads, my husband and I rode this morning. We saw maybe five cars in the first hour. Maybe. And it's, it's Labor Day weekend. So you get off the main drag, you go back on these roads and there's no one out there and Amish country. So, um, but when I did, when I designed the tongue, it went down to the river in Reedsville, turned to the right on the Ohio River, went past a <laughs> a state park called Forked Run. Hmm. So it's the forked end of the tongue, right? Get okay, it? Okay, right, right. Okay, so tongue, tongue, forked tongue. Went past Forked Run, place for a picnic, as dip if you wanted to. Then you would turn right on 248 back up to Chester. Well, Chester put in an injection well for fracking waste. Yikes. So the trucks have been coming across from Pennsylvania. And they've been driving down 124 along the Ohio River, and they've been driving up 248, a wonderful little winding two-lane, and they've destroyed it. The last time I was on it, it had gone from being just this lovely little asphalt band through the hills to, oh, you know, just completely destroyed it. So they're out there paving it again, but if those fracking trucks keep bringing the waste up those back routes, they're ruining them. Yeah. And then people can't get where they need to go. It's hard on their vehicle, you know, on and on. That and we don't know what's in that waste. It's not water. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) And so, you know, Ohio is a dumping ground. They are also putting in more facilities down in the Ohio River for waste, basically, from the East Coast. You know, it all comes as far as it can. We used to get trash from New York City. That's gross, man. Well, I, I always... People are gross. People are gross. Yeah. We generate all this trash. We got to put it somewhere. You know, in the yeah. olden days, people just put it back the holler. You just had your own trash pile. You yeah. Know? That's how... <laughs> My family still, there's no services out there. So basically, yeah, right. you have a burn a burn pit and you try to buy yep. not as much, uh, you yep. know, whatever plastics and stuff because you don't want to burn that stuff. But yeah. Right. The, right. So, I always, anyway, um, yeah. So I had to change the, the, when I went back on that road and realized how bad it was, I actually changed the tongue and the way that you ride it 
because it was unacceptable. So I'm, yeah. I'm not, not, these routes are not set in stone. I'm not finished. Um, I have still to do the wings because you notice there are no wings that are going to go up through the Hocking Hills and north of Logan, where my husband grew up. Um, but then I have other ideas for things that maybe were a little more ephemeral. So I can kind of keep going with the creation part of it as I find other cool things that I go, mm, people would like this and this road's real nice. Then I can keep adding to it. So it's a passion project. I want to bring tourism to the area. After working with Vinton County, I ended up um, developing all the northern routes around thinking Vinton County and surrounding areas. But then I realized the bottom part of the serpent had to go down into Gallia County. And Gallia County is lovely, lovely, lovely. That's where we were today. Nice. We actually rode uh, two hours down to a lake that is 100 acres. And on a Sunday of Labor Day weekend, there were two other cars. No kidding, man. All this natural beauty and, and no one to share it with. <laughs> well, people don't know it's there and yeah. it's not it's not conveniently located. You have to go out there and find it. Anyway. Um, hey, how close Gallia are you? County's also, I'm also pairing with Gallia County's Convention and Visitors Bureau. So I'm, okay. they're going to, so, so the two counties are both very rural, very poor, needing tourism. And this is one way to get it. Go ahead. Southeast Ohio, how, in relation to everything around um, state-wise, who from other states can cruise up there easily? Like, let's say a couple, like a weekend, if they want to spend a weekend up there, where uh, where's the surrounding areas? So we're getting a lot of people coming to Blue Heron Run, not all on motorcycles, some on motorcycles. They're coming from Dayton, Cincinnati, Toledo, all the flat parts of Ohio, okay. Cleveland, Akron, Youngstown, Columbus, and all the environs around Columbus. Tons and tons of people coming from that area. I also meet a lot of people from Indiana who hoof it over here because it's not that far. Okay. You get fewer people from Kentucky because they've already got wonderful places to go down <laughs> right. to Kentucky. <laughs> right. You get more people from Western Pennsylvania. So it's kind of that that area. Now, I we've started talking about the Serpent's Bones on um, forums, and we're getting interest from all over the eastern seaboard. So from, you know, Vermont and from people who've, they've kind of done all of those tours. Where's the next one? From from uh, Maryland, from Rhode Island, you know, people going, okay, that looks kind of cool. You know, they yeah. don't mind hoofing it a thousand miles to get over there just to ride these roads. So. Yeah. And if you do, I mean, you're coming out there on a road trip or something, you're already probably trying to keep it minimalist and having a place to throw your, yes. you know, having a tent there for you and just an, a nice place to sit and kick your feet in the creek. It sounds right. awesome. Not having to worry about right. hoteling it and getting your bike stolen yep. and all this and that. What yep. type of it's bike? Safe, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and relaxing from the sound of it. And yep. what type of bikes can make it on these trails i mean do you have to have a dedicated uh, dual sport ah, anything like that nope. no so all of the serpent's bones are paved to two lanes they're oh. paved well paved that's the whole point um i can show people where there's some cool adventure roads to go exploring but no the, the serpent's bones are all paved nice. paved, paved, paved. you can take a car on them you oh. don't have to have a motorcycle you can take a trike on it you can take whatever yeah. got wheels now what you don't want to do on some of these real sharp ones like the serpent's claw you can't take a truck with a trailer on that some okay. of the curves are just too sharp. Yeah, you'll be crossing over. I mean, you don't not, want to take like to a turn. behind camper. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's good to know. And and I mean, it just sounds like so much fun to ride these things. Twisty, turny, uh, beautiful <laughs> yep. scenery. You guys, the leaves change actually. There, right? You guys have leaves. Uh, they do, right? In about a month or so, it's going to be just stunning. Oh, yeah. Man. 
Yeah, out here in California, we have palm trees. The leaves don't really change that much. So (laughs) (laughs) it's another another check on the bucket list there to ride through the changing leaves. But man, so this, it sounds... I mean, it's it's a, a passion and it's a love of yours and it's something that you're doing totally on your own to uh, enrich the lives of other other writers and the and the surrounding communities. So I yeah, gotta, basically to share. Yeah, yeah I got to give you big thumbs up for that. I mean, that's it's pretty amazing. I I think you've got a pretty good handle on what we're doing. And I mean, it really is to boost tourism. I'd like I was out there today and I will say I did see some motorcycles. But I only saw a handful of motorcycles. Okay. I would have liked to see 200, 500, 1,000 motorcycles enjoying these roads on a Labor Day weekend. You know, I just, I'd love to see people out there. Um, when we went down by the river where there was a lot of, there's a lot of traffic by the river. There just always is. River roads always get a lot of traffic. Then I saw a bunch of bikes. But I'd like to see them out there on the byways, on the back roads. You know, just stopping at Timber Lake. Where there's, you know, it's paved all the way up to the lake, and there's a, you can go swimming or whatever. There's a little dock, and um, I actually went for a swim today because that was my goal. I was like, we're we're riding all the way to Timber Lake, and I'm getting in. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. What's the what's the weather been there lately? Has it been pouring right now, rain it's or hot? hot? Yeah. Okay. No, it's pretty hot. This this time of year is is hot and humid. Yeah. So 90s and you know 100% humidity, but Ugh. it's all right. <laughs> so what I have, yeah. So what I have going on, um, my my husband, I. I found him. He was, he'd moved to the neighborhood after his divorce. He left Columbus and came back down to this area, bought a place just, just two roads over from me. And you know what it is? It's location, location, location. I was available at that point, And there's this man who's right over there. And that worked out really well for us Yeah. anyway. So he's the one that got me started with the motorcycle and all this kind of stuff. But, um, he always wanted to have a wood fired hot tub. They're called snorkel brand. And you basically have a barrel of cedar that you've put together and put the big metal um, hoops around and tighten down. And then you fill it with water. Then you sink a wood stove in it. And then you sit there, you fire up your wood stove and you sit there in the water and that's your hot tub. So we've had one of those for 20 years. Um, the old one rotted out and we got a replacement a couple of years ago. So in the winter time, we're sitting outside, it's 10 degrees, we're happy as clams watching the stars. In the summertime, we leave it cold. And so the frogs hop in there, we hop in there, we get out, we hop back in. It's hot all day long, but it makes a big difference, right? Yeah. We've got a swimming pool down in the creek, but you have to walk to that. So this is just on the back porch. So we're like, hey, how's the cold tub? Yeah. Cold. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. And it doesn't seem very cold. If it, if it just came out of the cistern, it's probably 55 or 60. But if we let it sit for a few days, it comes up to 70 or 75. Yeah, I know. In it Arkansas, just, the swimming holes were, you know, the creek. And so, yeah, it's cold all year round. Freezing. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's cold, then it's spring-fed, which is good. Yeah, right? yeah. So our swimming hole is spring-fed. That yeah, it keeps it cold down in the bottom. Yeah, awesome. All right. So we've got, uh, I mean, it, this is an incredible story and there's so, I, I want to visit now. Like you've made, you've made me want to come back awesome. there. Uh, so we've got, you know, music, we've got film, we've got the serpent's bones, blue hair and all this stuff. Do you want to go ahead and throw out some of the contacts for this stuff? Sure. You can find us on the web, serpent bones or serpent's bones. If you put an S in there, it still takes you to the same site, serpentbones.com. The bones, in case you didn't catch it, are the rock outcroppings that you'll see everywhere. Really cool rock outcroppings. Um, And the roads have to go around the rocks, and that's why they rock and roll. 
And then our camping is blueheronrun.com. And uh, the Instagram where I post today, I posted a picture of all the traffic on the back roads. It's kind of a joke because it's me sitting on my bike with my camera, taking a picture of an empty road <laughs> for a couple of minutes. Um, so the Instagram is Serpent Bones Ohio or Serpent's Bones Ohio, I think. Serpent's Bones. Yeah, I think it's got an S on it. Serpent's Bones Ohio. And then on Facebook and um, the the book that I wrote that I self-published, um, my, my current nom de plume is Kesara. All righty. So with the... Uh... Hey, it's K-E-I-G-H. Yeah. That's As a, in way. Yeah, like a, a, like a Gaelic, uh, Gaelic sort of spelling there, huh? Right. And then Kesara and Sarah is S-E-R-A-H. So it goes back to the old... Uh, was it Doris Day that's saying Kesara? <laughs> Whatever will be, will be. Yep. The future's not ours to see. Kesara, So that's me, Kesara. All righty, we're gonna check out and see what uh, see what books we can come up with. And then uh, one of the partners that you had mentioned was the AppalachianBackroads.com. Will that take? Oh, you... so they're not a partner. They actually they they do a different thing, but it's my inspiration. Okay, good. So what they do is really well done. It's you know it draws people in, and then I want the Serpent Bones to be something similar but different because we've got a different story and it's a lot of natural beauty and history if people want to dive into that nice that's amazing well hey thank you for wasting a perfectly good hour uh talking to some schmuck in a garage in california no uh, it's been a pleasure thank you and i i want to want you to get back to your natural wonder and one day maybe one day i say this to everybody but i i really am <laughs> gonna make a make a road trip across america one of these days and i'm gonna stop in at blue hair and run see what it's all about well life is long and so chances are you probably will if it's a goal you can make it happen yeah i've made it 153 years without seeing it and damn it it's time i make it back there Right, right, yeah. <laughs> well, alrighty, Sarah. Thank you so much, and uh, yeah, check her out. Check her out online, Kesara, um, and I will put all the notes and all the websites in the show notes for this episode. And it's been a blast talking to you. Get out there on that Trans Alp and rip it. All right, you have a good one. Alrighty. Hey there, listeners. This is Patreon subscriber Narissa coming to you from inside my helmet in the land of beer and cheese, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're listening to the Creative Writing Podcast. All right, all right. Well, Wiggs, what did you think of that interview? That was pretty awesome. Dude, totally rad. <laughs> so, um, and by the way, I read her book. Uh, I don't know if she mentioned it on the, in the interview. Um, middle schooler, homeschooler versus middle school awesome book by the way uh i read it it was a quick read um and easy because you know i'm totally halfway um disabled so it was easy for me to read good book by the way so i'm gonna check out some more of her stuff as i uh, as i can find it thank you for coming on the show right now let's get into some upcoming events do you know what tomorrow is besides saturday september 8th no it's frankenstein's birthday there's a rsd event somewhere too yeah so if you're an RSD writer, you might want to... Hey, wasn't there just an RSD event? Come on. Wasn't he uh, part of the Bradford Beach Brawl, or was that all no, flat out Friday? that was uh, not definitely not Indian associated at all. Hmm. That was a <laughs> Harley was, only? I, I mean, I think it was open to anyone, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, they usually don't... They're not there unless they get paid. Yeah, I think they were celebrating motorcycles. So, yeah, I think you're right. Um, well, tomorrow is going to be the Rebellion Ride, which celebrates the 
Honda Rebel, which is the smallest of the Japanese Harley Davidsons. Uh, it's going to be at Mid Cities Motorsports. Actually, they're celebrating the new Rebels, which uh, popped out last year at the uh, not the year before last at the uh, Long Beach Show, and totally made this crazy splash because now they are 300 and 500 cc's. So uh, Paramount Motorsport or uh, Mid Cities Motorsports in Paramount, uh, they're going to meet at 9 a.m. and then mingle around for a couple hours kickstands up at 11 and they're just going to start heading south huntington beach i think and they're going to end up at a brewery down in san juan capistrano if our buddies from steady garage are going to go i think they are because they're they're Have the ones seen the new steady garage rebel uh i've I, seen one of them i gotta give it to our buddies over steady garage they made that bike look pretty good mm-hmm. are you talking about the one that had like all their had homemade... like a blue tank and stuff yeah on it? yeah yeah i I was impressed. The one and did, did it have a shark? That's a hard bike to make look good. Did it have the like um, I don't shark remember. mouth on the bottom? Was it all blue and it had like green chopper handlebar sort of things on it? I think so. Yeah, that's one of the still ones, a black frame and stuff. That's like that. one of the yeah. ones that was at Long Beach. I don't think they made that one. Oh, that one and uh, so whoever made it can suck it. Is that what you're saying? No, then <laughs> no, I, impressive. They made some. I mean, when we went to Steady, they had a couple there that they were pimping out. Yeah, with all of their gold, and I mean, they they make a lot of stuff for those things to make them not like sporty, to make them like custom. You know what I'm saying? That's why I was calling them like the first yeah. the Japanese Harley Davidson. <laughs> so that's well, they gonna are be a little cruiser. So yeah, uh, we also got an email that I wanted to mention. Somebody, uh, well, a guy William B emailed us and said. Uh, he loves the show. I asked, you know, we've been asking for people to, if they have events to uh, email them in, and he emailed us four events going on this weekend. Uh, the first one, he said they're all around the Philly area, and this is a William B. again. He said the Simeon, I don't, I'm guessing Simeon, that's how you would say it here in California, but it might be the Simon Museum uh, around there in Philly. They're having an exhibit uh, until the 9th. And then all the bikes go to the Radnor Hunt Concorde d'Elegance in Radnor. And he said the it's like – and that's happening obviously September 9th. So if you want to see him at the museum, head out there on the 8th. They're moving them all to ra- the concourse on uh, the 9th. And he said Burt Monroe's uh, World Fastest Indian is one of the bikes that's going to be there. So it's like all historical um, bikes and like some cool race bikes and stuff like that. Um, so that's happening in – uh, at the Simeon or Simon Museum around Philly and then Radnor, Pennsylvania uh, the following day. Also September 8th, uh, he said Lansdale Bike Night is happening in Lansdale. And it's one of the biggest one-night-only meetups on the East Coast, like the biggest. And he said, of course, there's going to be a ton of Harley-Davidsons and stuff, but there's also going to be um, basically like some – a few – I think he said spaghetti <laughs> – some spaghetti bikes, which means Italian, and a couple of <laughs> sushi bikes or something like that, which means Japanese. So he said it's mostly mostly Harley stuff, but uh, are those steak bikes? Yeah, or are they bratwurst bikes because yeah. they're in Milwaukee? <laughs> yeah, they're cheesy cheese curd uh, bikes. Um, so yeah, that's going to be happening uh, the, this weekend coming up. Also, um, the eighth is the Trans World Slam Fest, put on by our buddies at Hell on Wheels out at Milestone. Uh, and the gates open at noon for that. Uh, high voltage vintage moto and chopper show happened in Humboldt Park, Milwaukee from 12 to 7. And also this weekend, Malcolm Smith Motorsports, they're riding to Big Bear, kickstands up at 9.30. That's kind of early for the Harley crowd, but not so early for the Malcolm Smith crowd. <laughs> Are they riding Enduros up there? Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have no idea. When we're done, I have a Ask Wigs email too. Do you? Yeah. Excellent. And then I know September 15th at Paris Speedway, there's going to be some classic Speedway. And September 29th, there's going to be a Hooligan Hoedown number seven in Bandit Town, USA, put on by Iron and Resin. And I was like, that's probably in California. But then I was like, Actually, I have no idea, and it doesn't have a time. It's one of those cool flyers that I'm calling it a hooligan hoedown. Mm-hmm. Trying to rip off the name. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, also for the fifteenth, any local hooligan listeners, you are invited to go race. Comment on SoCal Hooligans post about the race. Um, we would like to have about eighteen riders. I am not going to make it. <laughs> uh oh. Um, so I would like eighteen other guys to say yes. Um, Where's it going to be? At Paris. It's at the Classic Speedway. Oh, okay, okay, yep, cool. Yep, yep. So basically, what it is uh, when I do my SoCal Hooligans event, Steve Evans is the organizer and Chris is the announcer, and and we, you know, that's basically my team. Um, and he wants to keep adding hooligans on. So I don't want to make every event a SoCal hooligans event, but I do want to help him promote and get some guys out. So it's a great track. Everyone seems to really like the track. It's really good with the Speedway guys too because they're nice to the track and it's groomed extra special for them. And um, plus, you know, we started at Speedway events anyway, doing Harley night. Um, yeah. And practice for the November 3rd hooligan shootout. So it's a win, 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 win. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. I finally sound as good as you do. What the hell? Am I, don't I, know. Am I too loud now? My voice sounds a little hoarse. Well. Like a mini horse. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to make a quick joke. Not like a donkey, though. Yeah. I've never actually seen Speedway out at Paris. I haven't gone to one of those events. So oh, that would actually good. be kind of fun to go check it out there. That's a good... They've got a little bit more time to like get wound out. Yeah, for sure. Because I've most of the times I've seen them, it's like a shorter track. So that'd be yeah. kind of cool to see it there. Um, also, Will B sends us this last one. Um, the Coatesville Grand Prix happened in September 22nd, which is the next weekend after Paris. If you're in the uh, Coatesville area, he says Coatesville shuts down the city streets for a TT race of pre-1970 cars and bikes. Like, dude, that would be... That's kind of rad. That would be rad. Who the hell does that anymore? Coatesville where? Uh, Pennsylvania. It's all in Pennsylvania. Mm, man, too far from here. Yeah. But this, I, this sounds bad for a motorcycle podcast, but I would be super stoked to see the cars. Oh, yeah. Like pre-70 cars. Like oh, rip- yeah. So if it's a TT, is that like a rally for cars? Uh, Probably, yeah. I'm guessing that it's Or is of- it a true like time trial? Not yeah, a, I don't know. I don't know what TT stands for on flat track, but... Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure that it's a it's probably a, a tourist trophy, sort of like a um, like the Targa TT of mm-hmm. New uh, the Targa of Newfoundland sort of thing, where it's mostly racing road racing around the town. That's kind of cool. Maybe there is an, may, there could be for all I know an off road section. Could be all pavement. Yeah, you know, like real road racing. This last year was the first year that Lake Elsinore, or maybe it was 2017, the first year that Lake Elsinore has done the yeah they did Elsinore year, GP. Yeah. In the city again, like they used to, you yeah. know what I'm saying, where it actually goes on city streets because they've just done it around the lake on the motocross track and yada yada. And they actually said, let's bring back the heritage and bring it through the city. So that'd be awesome if Coatesville was like that. You can imagine, like, just I'm sure if the town does that, it's kind of like a motorsportsy town. And yeah. I could just imagine, like, all the little kids and families. It's like a Fourth of July, yeah. but for if they're closing down the whole town, like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, well, that's awesome. We have some listeners in the Pennsylvania area if you want to check that out. Um, you know, if you're close enough, maybe give us a little report from it. Yeah. And then September 29th, like I said, the hooligan hoedown, 
happening in Bandit Town, USA. I don't know where the hell that is. It didn't give a time. It didn't give <laughs> give a date. More importantly, for September 29th, the Hooligan Campout. Yeah, at El Mirage. That's right. Although, double check with your local authorities. You may want to green sticker if your bike's not registered. Booyah. Good. Uh, um, so keep your license plate on if it is right. Yeah, mine's expired, so I gotta figure out what to do. Yeah, steal one. But I might, um, I might have that's a- also a heads up. Like if your wife or your kid or whatever comes and brings a two stroke or a red sticker bike, that might not be cool. Yeah. So I. That being said, I know someone that was just out there with a bike that I'm pretty sure is not green sticker, and no one messed with them. But that's you rolling the dice. That yeah. I'm not paying your ticket. Yeah. Let's um. Clarify real quick what red and green sticker. I think in California they have different seasons for different stickers. Yeah, it's a year thing. And after like starting October 1st, it's red sticker season. Um, basically, California wants to make sure you pay for everything more than once. So you got to get uh, – it's basically like a plate for your off-road bike or off-road car or whatever. So green sticker is like 02 and older is all green sticker, I think, even two strokes as long as it's older than that. And then from like 03 up, it depends on the model and stuff like that. Like an XR, you can green sticker, but uh, CRF, you have to red sticker. Yeah. I think it's mostly four strokes with an arrestor. I think you can red, you can, you can green sticker and the other ones. But if red. you have like a CRF 450R, I don't think you can green sticker. Because it. I don't Even think it's you, street legal. If it's like a dual sport, I think you can yeah, green yeah, yeah. sticker it. Well, but if you have it, well, if it's a dual sport and it's street legal, then you're good anytime. It's like a green sticker. Yeah. But, That's true. Yeah, like so, my bike, no sticker necessary because I got a street plate on it, right? Right. Yeah, and I have an expired street plate, so well, I have to figure that out. So, but whatever. Um, get real good at Photoshop and sticker printing. <laughs> Allegedly, I'm just kidding. State of California, <laughs> but, but come out and do that. It should be a good time as long as uh, the LEOs don't fucking make it a bad time. <laughs> but I mean, just riding and having a good time. You're also not supposed to drift. Um, if there's 10 or 20 of us, as long as we're not tearing up the lake bed, they'll probably be fine. If we're like, dude, we've cut like 500 laps and I didn't make a spot. It's hard for them to get mad, but yeah. no like burnouts and stuff. But if to you cut into the lake, if you cut 500 laps and you're in a four foot deep trench and yeah. we're looking down at you doing it now, I've went out there before with five bikes and my rear tire was literally bald, yeah. like a slick and not you, you could yeah. see black on the lake, but you, there was no yeah. groove at all. Yeah. So it all depends if the whoever's working that day is in a good mood or not. Yeah, so. that's usually how that stuff goes. DMV, yeah. El Mirage. So, but that's the deets on the hooligan campout. It's also on SoCal Hooligan, some info. So wait, and then September 30th is the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Slap on your fake mustache, get on your vintage bike, and uh, only vintage and. Well, vintage-inspired stuff allowed, so it's a very exclusive ride. <laughs> I was going to ride the duck, and then I did the camp out the same weekend. Yeah. I was trying to get someone to go to the camp out, and they're like, oh, I'm running this the DSG ride, and I was like, oh, yeah, oh well. Yeah. So whatever. I know. That's going to be a tricky weekend. Just bring your tux out to the lake bed. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then October 26th through 28th is the Northwoods 5 which is a crazy thing happening in Iowa. Check out uh, Forever Two Wheels Co. Instagram or mm. website for that. And also October 27th and 28th is the White Lightning Campout through Lucky Wheels Garage. I'm pretty sure you got to buy tickets for that, and they're probably sold out by now or near it. So get your butt in gear if you want to go to that. And, uh, yeah. Oh, wigs, real quick. 
I have a shout out for us from Instagram that uh, I just I, I here's the here's the weird thing I've been trying to get off as weird as it is being like a social media presence I've been trying to get off the social media and trying to like be more present in stuff lately so I've been trying to stay off Instagram when I'm at stuff and not look at it every day you know and um, school just started for my kids so I mean I've been trying to be a pretty good dad about it but here's what happened <laughs> that means I get on Instagram and there's like a message that I hadn't seen for a week and it comes to us from Seji Fergo 293 in Australia and uh, it says, hey, actually, it does say, hey, hey, Junkie and Wigs, you are a huge inspiration and realization that there is other people in the world obsessed with bikes, too. Your podcast gave me and a mate the idea of hosting our own bike meet in Byron Bay, Australia. The first meet is tomorrow. And this was um, August 23rd. So this is a couple weeks ago now, I guess. So thanks, legends. <laughs> <laughs> if only you knew. Yeah. Uh, I'll send some pics and, uh, of the setup and some tomorrow and hopefully some bikes show up. And he sent me a video and it was, so, dude, it was rad. It's just like this crazy abandoned barn looking thing or hangar out in the middle of nowhere with like a bunch of weird like Land Rover the old discovery like safari land rovers and um weird like lorry trucks and stuff and i was like dude these they look crazy that to me awesome and i i messaged him back and i was like those are probably commonplace there maybe not but like to me those look like crazy yeah those weird like subaru cab trucks and stuff and then they had a couple bikes hanging from cranes and like it would look cool, oh, cool. and 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 a lot of dirt and so it just looked like you could have a lot of fun with nobody around. And I was like, yeah. dude, what a perfect spot for a friggin' bike meet and like party, basically. Yeah. So thanks, Seji Fergo293. Um, and they're going to let us know when their next one's coming up so that they can, uh, you know, give us a date so we can, we can kind of pump it out. Awesome. But dude, Byron Bay, that I was uh, talking about that last couple of. I want to say earlier this year because there was a huge like run from Byron Bay to somewhere else. It was kind of like, it sounded like an Australia Baja, like 500 sort of thing, but like a private Baja. Sweet, but yeah. yeah, it sounds like, it looks like Byron Bay is a pretty cool place to do like a lot of like ag biking and dirt biking and stuff like that. So thanks for the shout outs and thanks for checking us out on Instagram. And, and, and thanks uh, for contributing to the motorcycle community. Exact mundo. Bike nights uh, are a cool thing. And I'm glad you had one out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe one day Creative Riding will have a bike night on the middle of nowhere. It'll just be us two. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be really exclusive. No one will be able to find us because yeah. they don't know what you look like. Every bike night is basically every every Tuesday night is a bike night for us. <laughs> We're hanging, just the two of us hanging out with talking bikes. But um, yeah, so thanks. Um, we got some big news. Uh, Wiggins has made it. Uh, well, back, while, while back he, to the studio, he's been he's oh. back to the studio, and while he was away playing in. Uh, God, all over the, all over Dude, the Midwest, everywhere. right? All over. He now. was all over the Harley Davidson one fifteenth. Um, some flat out Friday. Some some. Uh, did they do multiple? They did the Byron Beach, but they also did like the uh, Elkhorn race, right? So Elkhorn was totally unassociated, but I did go up early and do Elkhorn. I just wanted to um, see a different track, even though it turned out to not be my element and scare the living daylights out of me, and I got <laughs> smoked. <laughs> Um, I did it anyway. <laughs> I didn't know was all it that crazy dirt or what? Yeah, it was like deep, deep cushion. And the only way to ride it is sideways. But every time I get the bike like sideways, it scared the shit out of me. So Wait, are you just like waiting for it to hook and toss you? No, it would just 
I felt like when it would break loose, it would get like way sideways. Mm-hmm. It, it was mm-hmm. it was a tough one. If you guys had it figured out, um, JJ Vestal. Um, JJ, me. are you? He had it figured out. That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> he's been riding. He's been riding good lately for sure. Mm-hmm. So which is cool. I mean, he's you know talented on two wheels anyway, and then he's been riding his ass off. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was super fun. It was really cool to go to a different event with those guys and see there were more hooligans than anyone else. There were 24 hooligan bikes there. Um, That was super cool. That was Wednesday. Thursday, I snuck into a private flat-out Friday practice. Um, If you – I'm not a big fan of how it went down. Um, And But basically what they did a a special practice. So they had a lady, a woman's hooligan class – and if you found a girl to ride your bike, you could get into the practice. So I wasn't actually going to let her race, but then she was killing it. So I decided to let her race. So I let um, Lady Lassen on Instagram, as she's known, <laughs> I called her. Actually, I hit up Narissa and I was like, hey, you want to ride? And she's like, oh, I got to be in the office, blah, blah, blah. She's like, hit up Lassen. So I did. And um, I was like, hey, do you, would you like to do this? Like, it's just a practice day. Like, just spin some laps, you know, get on a bike different and whatever. So she came down and did it. Um, the bummer for me was that it was just for the ladies. No one else was invited. They're like, well, that's what we kind of want to promote. And it took me a while to figure out how to say it politely. But basically the vibe that I got from the FOF crew was um, like – and I get it on both sides because a couple of years ago we did a special like photo shoot thing there. And it was for the intro for the race and Harley wanted the Harley riders there. And I'm pretty sure Harley – paid a lot of their bills for a while or fronted them a lot, you know, whatever, you know, they spent a lot of money sponsoring the event for sure. Uh, yeah. So, I do, And I remember a couple of years ago, the whole feed, the whole, however they did it, however they video encoded it and everything was all presented by Harley. I think now it still is. So, you know, they still do all that, but I was basically like, so you guys don't, they're like, well, we can't open it up to everyone. And I'm like, you don't have to open it up to everyone. You open it up to the California guys, the guys that Harley paid to be here, the guys that are official Harley hooligans. A lot of people use that hashtag, but they're not official. They Um, ride a Harley and they're hooligans. Right, right. And the only, I mean, honestly, the only reason any of us really get sponsored from Harley is just from being the original guys. That was it. And and some, you know, some people get, I don't know. I was, well, you mean you guys didn't really, whatever. Um, You know, that's a total other debate. But I was just like, so, you know, a couple years ago, you want us in here to help promote. And now basically you don't need us anymore. So we're just chopped liver was how it, it kind of felt. So that's what I'm not a big fan of. Um, That was kind of a bummer. But what was the... Was that the reality of the situation or were they trying to get a different, different eyes on the crowd? Both. Absolutely both yeah. were, you know, yeah. I mean, they were, they were wanted to promote the women. Um, and here's my thing too. If you wanted to promote the women really well, you could have had the California guys there. One, especially on the practice day, we could have loaned our bike out more. Most of us would let just about anyone on them, especially on a practice day, especially with one or two girls on the track at a time, not racing. They didn't do that. They didn't tell anyone ahead of time. And then two, like we could have helped give instructions. Like we could have talked to them, you know, which I did with the girl on my bike. But, you know, none of that, of course, was thought of. They just kind of set the girls loose, let them do a couple laps. And that was about it. And honestly, nothing against like some of the teams, but some of the people that were letting the girls on their bike, even they had no idea. Like they didn't really race. They couldn't really help them out. You know, and no one really had any idea what was going on. But 
so I get that they, that's what they wanted to promote. I totally get that. I'm totally fine with that. And when we did do the photo shoot there a couple years ago, basically people were jealous we got in a day before them. And I get that. Um, and I also get you got you can do special favors. Like, fuck this. I don't want to try to explain to everyone, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you explain it real easy. Hey, dude, Harley sponsored them to be here. Harley paid for the travel to be here. Harley's our main sponsor. Harley wants them on the track. That's it. You don't have to bat an eye. If you want to invite a couple other people and you want to say, hey, these are friends of ours. Sorry, like we need to keep it limited. You know, most of the writers aren't going to care. Yeah. Um, Because most of the writers see that stuff and they know that stuff. I can tell you this. If I wanted to go do a free practice on uh, Thursday before racing at Irwindale, there's they film car commercials out there all the time. And if a car commercial wanted to get a photo shoot... And go in there and do something. It's the same. They're actually closed the next two or three Thursdays. I just learned this today. Yeah. Because they're shooting something out there. Yeah. And so no this, drag race night. The same sort of thing is, uh, I mean, you know what I'm saying? But that's that's kind of how I felt. It was like, oh, so when you needed us to help promote, when you wanted us out here, you know, for our notoriety and for our following and for our publicity to do your race and to build a hooligan class and then to do the little video and to help promote – that was all great. We showed up. But now that you're big, you don't need us anymore. And I'm not saying and nothing against any of the guys that run it. And I'm not saying that that was even a thought in their head. It was just how it felt on my end. Yeah. So, you know, um, and with that said, too, you know, I got told a couple of weeks ago about how the Harley hooligans make all this money. And then the person brought up Rusty Butcher. And then in the reality of things, this person rides for Roland <laughs> and I'm like, you comparing myself and Butcher to you or you comparing Butcher to you is irrelevant. You need to compare Butcher to Roland because that's the kind of influence. That's the kind of social media coverage. That's the kind of notoriety that Butcher has. You want to compare like who gets what, like compare yourself to me because like this particular writer I'm like that's the level you're at. Yeah. You're not at like you're mad that Harley pays Butcher. Like I'm sorry. Like Butcher's 140,000 followers yeah. or something like that. I would like to say really quick about Rusty Butcher brand and everything is that that guy I've seen him work his tail off and a lot of his Instagram stuff and a lot of his story is I don't know how I got here. I make these leather goods and i like to ride dirt motorcycles yeah and people like to watch it because he does interesting stuff yeah yeah and it's and, gone from and there Mark's so got yeah a, he's got a photographer and a videographer with him now he does well. yeah. no he did he's had for a while oh really when we first started he always had someone there like uh, but at the same time yes he works hard he goes into the shop a lot on sundays he does a lot of that um he i mean wor- I he does work i don't his think he knew too. he was going to be an instagram celebrity you know what I'm i don't saying? i mean no, I don't think he knew that. I don't think, you know, on the same token, I don't think he knew hooligan racing was going to turn into what it turned into. Yeah. Because Mark Mark joined in it not because he thought it was going to be huge, because he thought it was fun. He thought it was rad to go thrash your sportster and race your yeah. buddies. One of the so, first videos I saw of him was jumping like an on-ramp. Like yeah, the, shit, that was a few videos in. Yeah, like yeah. he used to do Tracker Tuesday, just a real quick five- 10 second videos whenever Instagram would only let you do yeah, like yeah, 10 like, second videos. Uh-huh. And I mean, so, I mean, he just, he's, he's like motorcycles since he was a kid. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I don't think anybody that owns a des- merchandising and design like empire should be comparing who uh, hi- like you guys to any of that yeah. stuff in, but, a, in my opinion. 
So I don't know, nothing bad on either of any of that, but I was just like, you know, that was how it kind of made me feel. I was like, and they were like, well, you got, you feel like you guys should get special treatment. And I was like, yeah, I actually do feel like that. Like, I'm not going to sit here and like be all fucking nice. Like, and the, the shitty part or the funny part is, and the guy listens to the podcast, one of the other hooligan writers totally agreed with me and he would have been like one of the left out guys, but he's like, no. And, and you know, he, he writes for some stuff too. And I read his, some of his articles and he's like, I saw these videos coming out of Southern California. Like, which to me is also cool. Like, you like how I just dropped a box that says fragile all over it. <laughs> Well, the box isn't fragile, just whatever's in it. <laughs> yep. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's both sides to it. Um, you know, I are, are we going to get a call on Monday from a really upset uh, person that like listens to the podcast and is wondering why we're talking? No, 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 no. Um, I have faith that the people I know that listen to the podcast are um, they're used to it. <laughs> I actually got so. Speaking of, I actually got some more. Uh, I learned more people at Harley listen to us. Great. There may be some creative writing podcast stickers at the uh, Harley in uh, offices. Awesome. Yeah, but I also got good feedback. Um, it was keep speaking your mind was what I heard. So I'm going to keep speaking my mind. Well, this is our podcast about motorcycles, so we'll keep doing whatever the hell we want. And I, th- I do think that. All of our listeners, and especially the Harley uh, family of listeners, it's a love. It's a love thing, you know. Yeah. You know you. Ain't nobody got. Whoops. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know why we don't? Why we ain't don't? Nobody say- got time for that. We ain't gonna say what we want to say. <laughs> so, but it was also cool to like see more people at Harley. Like, dude, I l- listen to the podcast. I dig it. It's totally cool. Yeah. I I think even that idiot that you were on there with, <laughs> <laughs> they were like. uh the quote was like, sometimes it hurts, but I do agree. <laughs> I'm like, man, it is. And I, hey. I talked to uh, another one of our Harley listeners. I don't know if I should say her name, but by saying a her, that narrows her down a lot. Sure. Yeah, don't you know, say her. It's a like the new bikes. Like, I am very excited for the new bikes. Yeah. I really am. I just really hope they do it right. Yeah. And the only reason, here's what I've learned, too. And I work for... Not a, I don't oh. work for a large corporation, but I work for a company that's big enough that they are doing they do like corporate trainings and stuff. And I'm learning more and more stuff about uh, basically like what, the AMF years. And this is and this what I've been learning recently at work and some of the trainings we've had to go through. And when you're sitting there at work, rolling your eyes, and then you get home and you think about it, and you're like, "Wow, this like makes sense in a." different way i can relate this to motorcycles because you hear stuff all the time and like i've been wondering about the amf years were harleys really that bad or were they really that good because what you hear is what is the truth and it's not necessarily the truth you know what i'm saying like that's one of the things that we're learning is like all if a new person starts at your job and you say like if they hear two different people say sort of the same thing boom it's a reality to them and they've never experienced it and um, so they don't have to physically or mentally experience something for it to become a reality. So you hear about how crappy thing certain bike brands are. KTM's don't do this. Kawasaki's don't do this. Kawas- or Harley's always do this. And it's like, do they really? So that, as I'm learning that, I'm kind of rethinking like all of history because obviously yeah. history is rewritten by the victors, I think is probably Socrates or Abe Lincoln. One of those guys said that. But um, 
it's like it's kind of true you know and uh so yeah my my goal for this uh upcoming 18 months is going to be to get to the bottom of history through research and reading i've been doing a hell of a lot of reading lately and it hurts my brain to be honest history the bottom i I started i started at page one of the history book and so you can see I've got like hundreds of thousands of years to get to today. <laughs> and by the time I get to there, it'll be tomorrow. So I'll still be reading. But yeah, no, I, I plan to go back and um, kind of research some of this stuff. And that's what some of our Patreon episodes are going to be about is uh, some of that stuff. I'm not going to go too crazy, but uh, yeah. Some history. We could be, do some cool history. Yeah. I, some Patreon. Dude, come on. You know, you know I'm all about we, the history. Can I give a shout out to an, a YouTube channel then? Sure. So if any of our listeners are car fans at all, you need to check out Donut Media. Donut, check that out. Just kidding. It's good. No, I've looked at no, Donut do Media. No, do for sure. Yeah. Check that out. And the They're best really one is up to speed and it's rad little history things on different yes, whatever. Yes, those are good. Yeah. It was cool. I just watched one of the older ones because he did one on the GTI. So I was fanboying about the, G- the GTI. And I could see there's a big difference between the older ones and the newer ones. Why were you fanboying about the GTI? Because I like them. Oh, sweet. So, but kind of a cool, like, I also. The Harley GTI? Who makes the GTI? <laughs> I also um, watched that kind of stuff thinking, like, what can we do as a podcast to yeah. improve? Um, Boy, I can't really into- call it up to speed. But we could call, uh, we could it, call it doing speed, and I'll do a copious amount of math, and then try to remember everything that I've learned about <laughs> history. While Wiggins just like looks so, at me with the open jaw. Spe- <laughs> Speaking of Harley listeners uh, or employees that listen, um, we are pretty sure the XGs sold in the states are made in the states, especially the seven fifties. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can just you can look at the VINs. If it says MEG, that's um, India. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, but I don't think anything would be sold. Or in Thailand okay. is MLY or something. Yeah, that's what I mean. You were talking about like the VINs, and he's like, but I'm pretty sure the ones sold here or made here. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that is I'm correct. pretty sure they are too. Okay, and I'm pretty we're sure we're on the same page. Though. Yeah, and I'm sure that. Uh, like we've I, like I said last week, there's this weird. I forget what it was because I took business back in the 1800s before when college was a thing, but it was something I barely remember. And there was this guy at the time who was new then, but now he's like an ancient history, ancient you know piece of ancient history. That there was some sort of thing where like if you have that resource in your in your area, you should use that to manufacture, you know, you shouldn't export lumber if you're full of trees sort of thing. And you shouldn't import, um, Indian made Harley Davidson's if you already make them in your country, <laughs> like it doesn't, the shipping cost, I mean, it just doesn't make sense from a business standpoint. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So I'm but- pretty sure they are made here as well. Yeah. And I'm so glad because I mean, it just means that there's more bikes being made in the States and, and, we're keeping I know they're closing they're slowly closing the Kansas City plant, but I mean it's still cool that there's still gonna be York and there's still gonna be um whatever's up in uh the there's Milwaukee. One area. right out of sight of Milwaukee, I yeah. think too. I yeah. forget what that plant's called, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's all good. Should we so, um yeah, we should do should this. Should we do the ask? Uh, oh, you we'll do it ask wigs, is? but I'm gonna give you this box that I just dropped that says fragile <laughs> all over it. I got Wiggs a couple things for being one year old on the show. He's made it, folks. While he was September 1st, I had it marked down on my calendar. I didn't even know what day it was till it arrived. But, uh, yeah, I decided I decided to splurge on something for Wiggs. 
It's a custom creative writing coffee mug. Yeah. Does it change colors as it heats up? No, but look, oh. doesn't it look brown to you? It does look brown. They fucked that one up. I was like, wait a second. The design was black. How many people got brown coffee mugs, I wonder? There's probably a few. Now I'm going to have to drink coffee out of a mug. Dude, it's brown. Or beer. It's supposed to be black. Is my logo black and then the cup's brown? No, it's yellow and red. Yeah, that is so weird. I wonder how many people ordered these expecting the black creative writing logo and got a brown one. <laughs> I mean, I don't really care. It's coffee, so brown kind of fits. Or but beer. It, it's like they made, or, or beer. But it's like they made one, like, stamp, and then they just keep using it until it gets lighter each time, like an ink <laughs> cartridge. What the hell? Like, I don't know how they make coffee cups, but there's your brown creative writing So we sold, cup. like, 50 of those, and you took all the profits and blew on one for me. Dude. We sold enough that I had enough money plus four dollars to get you that one. I was like, I was wondering where my payment from from Zazzle was because we sell these mugs on Zazzle, and they're like, "Well, we'll pay you out when you sell fifty dollars worth of merchandise." And then when I ordered this cup for you, I was like, "Oh." <laughs> That's why you haven't got a payout yet is because I've only got $20 worth of it. But it's fine. It paid for that mug, and something else is coming for you. Um, I guess they didn't ship them at the same time, which is really weird. But, yeah, you got something else coming, so maybe next next week's show you'll have it. Are you going to be here next Sounds week? Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, I good. think so. I should be here for the foreseeable future. Woo! I know. Oh. Crit, my wife was like, we haven't seen them in a while. And I was like, yeah, he's... Has it been out of town? <laughs> I've been jet setting. I'm yeah. kind of tired right now. Yeah. Um, that's kind of awesome. And remind me after the show, I want to talk to you about some coffee mug stuff. Yeah, for sure. So I hope you're not too tired. We're only halfway through. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Through the show. So we haven't asked Wigs. Let me find that. So it was a very important question from our friend Chris Geis. He said, I'm thinking about getting into flat track racing and I wanted to start training and eating right. No. He's, what flavor pop tarts do I think work best for a flat tracker's diet? <laughs> Should I go with traditional fruit flavors like strawberry or blueberry, um, or more modern flavors like cookies and cream or chocolate chip cookie dough? So I haven't actually eaten a real pop tart in a long time. Uh, I do the Trader Joe's brands one, um, but cheese curds are a great Ooh, flat track diet. Good, yeah, right. I thought it said crud on the back, and then I flipped <laughs> it over and it's all curd. I was like, oh, I was reading it through the bag. My favorite uh, a long time ago was strawberry, but the secret to a delicious pop tart is when you pull it out of the toaster, you spread some butter, a nice thick layer of butter across the top, and let that melt down into the icing. That sounds like a Midwestern Pop-Tart to That's me. a fat kid Pop-Tart right there for sure. <laughs> so that would be my Pop-Tart tip. Um, I thought there was one about horses and ducks or something. Um, <laughs> Keep looking. One one horse-sized duck or 50 duck-sized mm. horses. Yeah, what would you rather be chased by? 50 uh, well, ducks duck are sized fucking mean. Horses, horses or one horse-sized duck? Yeah, 50 duck-sized horses. Yeah? Yeah, because horses aren't as mean. Yeah, they're herd animals. You, you're the stallion in that yeah. case. You're mane and, and everything. Else. And if they were the size of a duck, I could be the stallion. That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> zing. Yahoo. Oh, shit. Oh, I, I get myself. Yowza. Um, and I yowzered. But Woo. ducks can be kind of mean and they're small. Can oh, you listen. imagine if it was horse size? Fucking hey, It would peck your it's fucking It's not as bad off. as a goose, but. Could so, you imagine? And then he busted my balls for not giving him a shout out. And I was like, I don't even know what episode it is anymore. Yeah. I guess it's 141. Yes. So shout out though. Good question. Good question on the Pop-Tarts. I'm glad I got to give my secret Midwestern recipe for Pop-Tarts. 
Chris Geis, the first yeah. thing you need to do also is just ferment your hair because you can't have you you're too co- you're too coordinated. Uh, you need to have like crazy upper or crazy lower. So either uh, just ferment the beard or just ferment your hair. But you got the good hair. You start growing your hair out a little bit. You got a really good head of hair for <laughs> for a guy in his eighties. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's only like in his fifties. Oh. But that's okay. I'm just being mean. No, Chris, you you got a really good head of hair. Uh, what you need to do is start growing that out, and once it reaches shoulder length, um, yeah, then they go ahead and just ferment either the beard or the hair, one of the two, because you got you got to mix it up a little bit, or go pink with both of them, and uh, call yourself wild child. I don't know, but yeah, you know these. Bucky Bucky Badger cheese curds. You know what these remind me of? I got those ones at the airport. These reminds me of when my kids take shredded cheese. Since we live in California and we eat a lot of tacos and burritos, and we use the Mexican shredded cheese, those remind me of if you just take the because they're like it's the mix, the white and the yeah yeah it's a mix, white and yellow. So it reminds me of the Colby Jack shredded mix. But it also reminds me of when my kids take it out and just smash it in their hands and then eat little cheese balls. Is that basically (laughs) what a cheese curd is? Uh, cheese curd is pre-shredding, but yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like just if a, they were regressing it back to a curd. Yeah, that's basically what they do. They t- they take the shredded cheese out and smash it into like a cheese snowball, if you will, and then eat it. And sometimes I do it too, and then I throw it at them and watch them try to catch it. It's funny because I really like shredded cheese. Just take a little handful and throw it in my mouth. Yeah, which is pretty well what curds are. Yeah, and they're delicious. At my wedding, I asked people to throw shredded cheese because I said I don't want to slip on the rice, and then it's secretly because I wanted to catch the cheese in my mouth <laughs> as I walked down the aisle. So I had lots of shredded cheese uh, at my wedding. Um, so hey, I want to talk about uh, enough enough of this congratulating you on your year. We expected that. What what the hell? What? How much fun was the one fifteenth? Like you told us a little bit about the uh, the Elkhorn, but come on, dude, tell me about the rest of it. Like, so let's see. So after Thursday, so um, I got a little intoxicated Thursday night. True, true hooligan fashion. <laughs> and um, so I sent Miss Lassen a message, and I was like, "Someone, I think, bet me a beer that their rider would beat my rider." And I was like, "Well, that's some bullshit. I want that beer." So I was like, hey, fuck it. Let's race. So she said she would because, you know, it's someone else's bike. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. So she did. I've um, seen your tire Your tire pressures are pretty low, too. I watched her launch that thing in slow-mo, and I was like, whoa, that thing gripped like a so friggin' drag racer. that I probably shouldn't give out when you're getting chatter on the pavement. So with the Coke syrup, and the way he had it set up, you could actually slide in and slide out pretty good. So on Thursday, too, she was – um sliding in a little bit but not much but then she would turn the bike and like coming out she'd whip it and it would it'd, it'd slide and spin the rear tire just a little and then it'd hook and she was ripping and it was pretty impressive like yeah. laying little black marks on the pavement and i was like all right so um so yeah uh when on the pavement when you hit the brakes you'll get chatter the whole bike will yep, violently yep. violently chatter and as jeremy's gotten better with the amount of coke syrup and how to do the coke syrup it's kind of went away, but it will still happen. I saw them spraying it in the air instead of down on the ground. And yeah, I, I don't I know. Did, yeah. Maybe was, they just thought it tastes good. Yeah, that's true. I think maybe the guy was getting a shower. Um, I, I, I figured they would – I didn't know if that was supposed to disperse it and maybe not make it as thick as just spraying it straight on the ground. Maybe, maybe it was too grippy spraying maybe, it straight know. to the ground. So, that's, so the 
anyway, so when you when you get that chatter, what you can do counterintuitively is you actually lower the PSI. So we were thinking pavement. We were all running super high PSI. I, um, I was going to say like 45 p. <laughs> yeah. Usually we it. run like 18, 20 in Dunlops, maybe a little less. I was down to 15 and 16, I think. Wow. Um, and that – so it's really low, but it, it – and the other downside of flat track tires, the knobs are so close together, as you guys can visually see in my hands right now, when the tire flattens out, the knobs see. get closer and make a sl- – oh, shit, they can't oh, see. Oh, they make like a So slick. the knobs close together and make a slick. Well, on the pavement, that's cool. On the dirt, that's not. So on on a really good clay track, it's okay. But um, So that's another thing with flat track tires, especially the Dunlops or, or – uh, sorry, the Maxxis are a little closer. So, but that's what we do on the pavement. We run a low PSI. So yeah, you could see that tire squishing yeah, a little bit. Yeah, when she launched, I saw it. Yeah, I got another in. slow mode ascender, and you can see as she comes out of the corner that the rear wheel's spinning faster than the front. Really? So I she was on it then. Yeah. So a lot my fault. Like so, she crashed in her heat. No big deal. I mean, that was she didn't have her foot on the brake, and she went for a pass and just front tire hooked the guy's rear tire or the girl's rear tire and kind of high sided her and she hopped up no big deal you know everything's cool bars were forward but i have those rocks risers so i pulled the bars back air cleaner got ripped off so we put the air cleaner back on no big deal i didn't pull on the throttle so i go to line up for my heat race and i was in the first heat second starting position i believe there were seven heats so that means i qualified eighth overall so the guy that won the main, Rich Heverly, was in my heat. So my chance of winning my – and you have to win it to go to the fucking main. So my chance of winning the heat was slim to none. But I would have got a good starting spot in my Conti. So anyway, I didn't even start in the in the heat. Um, Totally my fault for not uh, – how fucking amateur is it to not like, oh, let's blip the throttle and make sure the throttle tube spins. What it had done when it hit the air cleaner, it bent the carb bracket into the carb. Um, the one I have barely clears anyway. I actually had to file clearance on it. And it uh, pulled – the throttle cable got knocked off of the little wheel. So pulled in. We got it fixed. But I had to start on the back row of the console. Yeah, on the Harley-Davidson's, there's like a little bracket on the outside right where the air cleaner is, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so it kind of holds the car Did it off. hold it? open or closed or what it holds it closed mm. i got it to kind of open up a little bit but then it wouldn't close yeah so super sketch i couldn't fucking do anything so you just went wide full open on the whole yeah so <laughs> and the bike i mean that little track and the gearing the bike was violent so i was on the back row of the conti i had it um and i told her i'm like look if i make the main i'm probably not gonna let you run it if i don't make the main you can run it i don't care it's not gonna matter i'm not in the main so I didn't make the main, so um, but I will say like dude, trusty rusty was feeling good. Nice. The new Makuni is snappier and they narrowed the infield of the track so you could hit the corner tighter and run down a tighter inside line. Um and I I had explained to her and some others like the traditional flat track thing is in wide out low. Yeah. But on the pavement, it's so small, so tight, and there's so many riders that a lot of times you just stay low, you jam the brake, turn the bike as tight as you can turn it, and you just pull the throttle again. Yeah. But I had the bike hooked up so good, it was pulling wheelies out of the corners where I had to, and I'm like leaning on it, trying to pull the front end down, and it's just ripping. And I had to, um, 
shut the throttle off to get it into the corner. Yeah. She even had it. So when she made her pass for second, um, she got excited and pulled on it a little more. And like I said, she was ripping and she had the bike sliding consistently out of the corner and it stood up on her when she made a pass for second. But she kept it under control, shut it down and, and went into, uh, one, you know, nice, but, um, it was cool. Like Did it, she podium. Yeah, so she got second in the women's oh, from the back row, too, because she crashed under the heat. What? So made some passes. Um, rusty, rusty. Yeah, dude, she she ripped, especially for the women. And that, so that was cool. You know, I was bummed in the heat and then starting in the back row of the Conti. Um, but honestly, I, I still have to blame myself for not, like, not pulling on the throttle. That was amateur for sure. Yeah. But um, Bronnie was pumped, too, because we put her in a Speed Merchant jersey. We just duct taped over my name. It was a little big on her. <laughs> But, I was like, dude, Wiggins grew his hair out a lot. He lost a lot of weight <laughs> yeah, for right? this race. And then I was so, like, wait a sec. And then, yeah, like we got to push the bikes out on the track. It was super. They wanted to like announce all the girls. So yeah. we pushed all the bikes out on the track. And it was like the dude's bike that they were on pushed the bike out for yeah, the girl. Yeah, you know? rad, rad. Um, so I went out. So I got to wear like the Glendale Harley and my so screw all, screw all you people that are like no umbrella girls because now there was some umbrella dudes. Yeah, absolutely. There. Yeah, absolutely. And from what i've heard from the few umbrella girls that i know they're like dude that's our job i know we're we paid for away. that yeah. especially f1 not doing it because that's like big money yeah true that it's like uh the what's it called no tipping guy in um reservoir dogs yeah that's their that's their ink like you think of no, it i don't agree with tipping don't compare it to that <laughs> What? We got to watch Reservoir Dogs together. I, I hate tipping. <laughs> hey, moved the, in. the restaurant should pay your wages, not me. Move. If that means the food at the restaurant costs more, I'm fine with that. If it costs too much, I won't eat there. Hey, it's actually... Uh, I tip things, my barber. That's actually where things are moving, uh, to be honest. It, it should. And first of all, not to rant on a separate subject, if you're in the food industry, be mad at me. I don't really care. Here's the deal. It's not my responsibility to pay your wages. It's your employee's responsibility. Like, I don't get a tip for doing my job right. Like, you tips are not for doing your job. They're d for doing above and beyond your job. And your customer thinks you did a really good job. Here's a little bit extra. Not a percentage. Are you trying to time my rant? <laughs> I'm going to do a two-minute two minute minute only rant. Yeah, you get a two-minute rebuttal. Um, yeah, if you don't like it, go find another job. Like, honestly, every server I know makes as much in four hours as most people do in eight. Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. And, and on the flip side to that, I'm also not a dick. I'm a good tipper. But that yeah. does not mean that I like it or that I agree with it. Yeah. Like, and I, I will say this. I tip my barber because when I go back to the same barber, first of all, that's the big thing. I go back to the same one. He trims my beard up and doesn't charge me. Nice. Like, He's, like, you know what I mean? Is That's, tipping prepaying in a way then? Kind of, yeah. It it does work out that way. But – and if I need something, like, that – he'll take care of me. Yeah. If I'm like, hey, dude, I really need to get a haircut. Like, can you stay late and I'll come down? He would. And I don't tip him, like, double. Yeah. It's usually 25 or 30 for a haircut and he gets, like, a $10 tip. I used to tip really good for people that would re bring me more beer. Absolutely. Or drinks, oh, yeah. Like, pay attention to you. Yeah, we had a server uh, in Milwaukee that got a good tip because, like... They are on you. They're I didn't even it. notice my water was gone and it was full yeah. again. And she knew a lot about the menu and, like, stuff like that. And they were like, she's like, oh, they just trim the ribs. Here's a couple ends that you guys yeah. can have just to, you know what I mean? Like Now I, now I tip a lot when they bring out the kids' food first because, like, having kids, you're like, oh, shit, they won't make <laughs> it. Like, make the 20, kids shut up. Yeah, yeah, they won't make it 20 minutes while the adults wait. I do have to say in our 20 seconds And being left in here, Germany, 
They get like they don't bitch about it. They don't get tipped. They don't get tipped. Europe in general doesn't get tipped, and here's why: because um, the restaurants pay a decent wage. They do, but the tip goes to the people that are serving you. But all the people that do the work are in the back. Yeah, and so and I that think, bums me out too. The yeah. cook should get a tip. And in California, you make minimum wage. If you can't live off of that, find another job. Yeah, like Indiana has like a two dollar an hour wage, and that's some bullshit. All right. Rant and over. That's our rant minute. Yeah. I, I'm uh, not for tipping. <laughs> and not because of, of being a cheapo jerk, but because I think this I dude's tip the bag well, but it, Yeah, exactly. So I, I believe, think it can be done yeah. so much better. Yeah. And I think that just the restaurant, I mean, that's yeah. not my responsibility to pay your wage. So how did it feel being an umbrella boy? Felt good. Good. It was cool because, like, so I got to go out. Like, she had a Speed Merchant jersey on. Of course, the announcer said it had the big Harley number one on it. And I'm like, it does, but it's because it's a Speed Merchant jersey and we can do that. Whatever. So I got to have my – I had my Speed Merchant shirt on and my Glendale Harley hat on. So, like, it was also cool to go out and, like, kind of represent that and for people to see the bike again, you know, and, like, kind of kind of recognize that it was going back out. Um, and, you know, hopefully people are wise enough to put two and two together and realize that I lent my – my yeah. bike to someone who actually did crash it. Yeah. And, and I mean, still pulled a podium. Like yeah. I thought it was cool to watch it racing actually. I mean, I didn't really, it's like, and like just, actually going to the front. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. I was a, I think it was, it was just cool to see. Cause trusty rusty is just as much of a superstar as Chris Wiggins. I, I hate, I, I hate think, to say it. I think I it's more. It. No, I, I do. I think it's more. And I've, I've got the Dale Schwiggins Instagram that I rarely use, except like I keep seeing all these Dale Earnhardt po- stuff, and I keep posting that. But um, I've thought about changing it to a Trusty Rusty yeah. one. Like yeah. I, I'm just you know like, how many pictures of Spamela people have taken, and yeah. like you know how many pictures of me have been taken. Yeah, so it's like twenty to zero. You know, yeah, what I'm absolutely. Saying? Like it, the bike has almost more of a persona than I do. Yeah. Spamela so. definitely has more than I do, and she's and I get like she's more beautiful. In February, I when I went up there, like one of the photographers hit me up, and he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "Oh, will, will you have trusty with you, dude?" Plus that new paint scheme you got going on, which is like oh, fucking loving it. Nine thousand. I wanted to ask you, did you see that new Deathspray custom, uh, l- that leather set that looks like veins and arteries? So he's had that personally for a while. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. So I don't know if Alpine Star just made him a new one. Or what? So it said it was like cut for Ken Block, which is which is what explains why it's so big. But it had like knee pucks and stuff. I don't know why. I don't he, know. Unless he's going to start. I saw the little thing about too. it, but it said uh, DSC and then had the zero in the back yeah. or the O positive. Actually, yeah. if you look at it, it's got a little plus. Sign yeah, in it's it. called Blood Brothers. And, and I was looking at it, going, dude. But then I realized it's blue and it's like arteries and veins. So I was like, yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's actually raced with that for the DTRA. He's had those leathers. That's rad. Did you race Brighton Beach at all? I did. Flat out Friday was, I mean. So I did, did you, flat out Friday. Yeah. And then I missed the hill climb. We didn't get back to the house till after midnight. Yeah. And we went and ate dinner, which I probably didn't have to do. Because um, dinner at midnight, I wasn't even that oh, hungry, dude, but we did yeah. have some good food. That always sucks. And even then, when you're starving, uh, dinner at midnight kind of sucks. Yeah, I wasn't even hungry. They were like, look, I found this place. It ended up being really good. <laughs> so oh, you man. had to go. Yeah, so I went. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, dude, it rolled around at like six. We had to be there at like six thirty or something, and it, I woke up at like six, and I was like, "Fuck this!" I felt hungover, even though I didn't have anything to drink. It was yeah. that Friday night. Yeah, that's called, um, well, not necessarily jet lag, but that's called like it's basically the same thing. You're you're exhausted. You've done. Un- 
Yeah, I probably had a little hangover left from yeah. the night before. So. You've done so much stuff in a couple hours. So I didn't the do the hill climb, and then we went over to Brighton Beach, did the Brighton Beach brawl. Uh, I didn't make it on TV because I only made it to the second round, and it was the third and fourth round that we're on. But um, it was super awesome. The fans loved it, and it was sketchy as fuck. Yeah, look gnarly. I did saw you see JJ's, JJ's crash. I saw him reach up for some tear offs, and, and then and just then just eat it. Tanks. Yeah. Oh, dude. But it that's was gnarly. so we had to run flat track tires. There was no changing tires, um, which sucked because like I have a knobby. set of wheels. I mean, that was knobby. Yeah, yeah. Territory right there. And they kept packing it, but it didn't matter. You do half a lap, and it, it would just it's dig sand, in, dude. Yeah, it's sand. It's sand. Um, they did dig down deeper to get closer to the water level under it. Um, the straightaways, that's fine, dude. I would get hooked and trusty to hit some crazy like whoops. But once I hit the corner, I could barely keep the bike up. Yeah. And the guys that were it looked, doing those corners looked kind of gnarly. Like yeah. people were berming. The guy it. that won rode the berm the whole time. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how. So it was a total, total motocross thing. Yeah. And I'm not a motocrosser. Yeah, yeah. So to be not a motocrosser and have a 450-pound bike, <laughs> it uh, it was not my jam. Yeah. But it was cool. It was really cool to be out there. It was cool to see all the Harley fans and that. And the, the way they decorate everything was cool. Oh, excuse me. You know, to see the old bikes yeah. going for it. Um, it reminded me of some of the pictures of Daytona. When they used to run halfway on the beach and then halfway on the um, paved highway, and how well, those... they used to really run just on the beach, didn't they? I, I think, but I think I the think sand of, at Daytona is different, though. One it's of packed. the straightaways was, but still, after like, because in the old pictures there was like fifty guys. Because like the Daytona two hundred, but on the beach instead yeah. of on the. So you had like fifty guys, and it was like it was similar to what we did for Bradford too. It was really long straightaways, yeah. and really wide corners. Yeah. And they said they want to change that for if we do it again, but I'm kind of like, I really enjoyed the track shape myself. Yeah. Um, as much as I sucked at the track, it was a cool shape. I saw the post on Instagram of it coming together and it being created, and I thought, dude, that is a long fucking Real straight. long straightaways, real tight <laughs> real corners. Tight corner. But again, the corners were so hard to ride that it was cool to have the long straights. It looked like the straightaways were hard to ride. I mean, there was dudes bouncing yeah. like down oh, the whole for straightaway. Sure. <laughs> Kilkenny so. crashed on the start. Or Kilkenny, I'm not sure how to say yeah. it right. Um, Kilkenny. <laughs> so I, mean, I think we covered all the bases. Yeah, there. right. <laughs> um, but it was cool. Um, and then just, I mean, if you sit back and think about it, like what other company in the world can throw a bash for 115 years and that many people show up? Yeah. Like uh, Ford. No. I was thinking about that. So Ford could have the age, right? Soon. I don't know. When did Ford technically start? 1899? I, I don't know. You got me. I think his first car was 1899, but I don't think he technically... Chrysler s- was way before Ford. Well, the Dodge brothers and stuff, yeah. But, I, I mean, I, it's not like everyone's going to hop in their Dodge and drive to Detroit and have a big jam. But with Harleys, like, you have so many elements that make it possible and make it rad you know, so bringing the racing back to the beach, having Flat Out Friday's event, having the hill climb, um, having the hooligans and all that because, you know, we're on basically the most street legal-ish bikes. Um, having – they had the Ivis Brothers doing the Wall of Death. They had concerts. They had um, the museum. They had tons of bike show stuff for people just, you know, parked at the museum and stuff. But just to have people – 
passionate enough to, to ride their bikes there or travel there from all over the world to be a part of that is rad. And I don't think there's a single company that I could think of in the world that can pull it off like that. Yeah. Because to me, it takes people are passionate about cars and people are brand loyal to cars, but there's so many brands. Um, and I don't see like Honda having a 50 year bash, and people go in there or Nissan having yeah. – I don't know how long they really – but it's you know what I mean? It's because the Volkswagen bug is like the only thing that still consistently has huge like bug-ins or, or festivals around that because it was such an iconic – But if, if they threw a big bug festival in Germany, how many people would go? Uh, a bajillion. You think so? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> a in I Germany, would, a bajillion. I would like to ship the GTI there, but then yeah. I would just stop in Nuremberg the whole time. Yeah. Oh, because like all sorts of Volkswagens would show yeah. up. But dude, Germany, they still have a huge Volkswagen. They have the 24-hour fun cup and stuff over there okay. where they take old VW air-cooled bugs and race for 24 hours. Like they do a lot of stuff around the bug just because they sold. It's one of the well, most sold cars. It's probably the most iconic car of all time. Mm -hmm. Not for a ton of good reasons, but not for bad reasons either. Yeah, but it was also the people's car. It was. But and it was a I mean it if you think of the influence that it's had on the industry, on the automotive industry for years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean it, there's definitely that to it. And it, it's became such a cult car too. Yeah. And then there's like the rare ones with different rear windows. Oh yeah. Um the thing is is that like Harley Davidson has another one fifteenth I don't think it already happened in somewhere in Czech Republic or something or like in Prague or something like that. I think there's this happening next. I, I'm not 100% sure if it happened already. But I remember seeing there was another one somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the uh, during the 110th, didn't one of the saloons at Sturgis like built an actual thing for the anniversary? And so that Harley Davidson is now a sponsor. It was like full throttle or something like that. Maybe it was the one that broke Maybe. down. Is that full throttle that brings yeah, out? Yeah, but, um, but, I mean, people rally around the brand to build stuff to for... Oh, well, it's just a crazy, like, people are so loyal to the brand. And mm -hmm. I think the difference with, with Volkswagen and the Beetle is they're so loyal to that car, but not necessarily the brand of Volkswagen. Not anymore. With, not anymore, right? Yeah, with Harley, it's a little more, like, just brand you know, for the entire company. But it's, I was thinking yeah. about that. I'm like, how rare, you know, who could, who else could do that? Like I've grown up around sport bikes and I've always been around Hondas. Like, I don't think I would ever go to Japan for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's funny how people will talk about Hondas and how great Hondas are and how prolific they are throughout the, throughout the globe. They're the number one seller with Harley being second. But you don't see people running around with tattoos that say Honda, jackets yeah. that say Honda, like your shirt and everything. You know, you don't. By the way, my shirt says Harley. Just so Yeah, your shirt says was, Harley he, That's what he was referring to. No. Like you don't see I mean, a you bunch see, of. You, definitely not to the level. P&A catalog. Yeah. Like Harley has this the size of a goddamn Bible. Well, and that's, yeah, that's marketing genius on their end mm -hmm. even though I, I don't agree with a ton of it like Ducati and BMW have a similar thing where you buy into that brand and we've talked about mm -hmm. that before yeah for sure but Harley Davidson for 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 all the smack we talk about like the recalls and some of the stuff they've the problems that they've had I honestly have to say that as a brand and as a huge worldwide global family and more that they and are just like the lifestyle of yeah, yeah. they are about 
being, fr- you know, embrace your freedom. And I mean, I, it's true that they might have some bikes that are triple what I can afford, but they also have ones that are, yeah. I, you know, they have their start and with their new range coming out, they've got something for everybody. So yeah, I don't, I haven't seen besides, yeah, I was besides, thinking about it. I would love to see, um, the street fighter go road racing, especially mm-hmm. if that class is going to happen where they're going to have a bunch of street fighters. Mm-hmm. Oh, there'll be, be really there'll cool. be something for it in Moto America. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, that would be really cool to see them because I think if that engine is developed enough that they might not be a front runner right away mm-hmm. or, but I mean, you know, what, what's the CC limit on, is it 1200? Is that from the Ducati V2 or, you know, V twin 1199, I think was as big as they went. So you'd probably have to take the twelve fifty and make it a twelve hundred. Yeah, I mean we're we're gonna see all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, and, and I know the uh, the president rode a new live wire at the parade on Sunday. So the president of of Mc- Harley Davidson. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. So no, not of the United States. No, <laughs> I was like, dude, I don't one. think that guy can ride. <laughs> <laughs> so that was cool to see, and I was talking to someone at Harley, and it, the whole weekend is a blur, but um. The electric is, they are excited about it. And I'm excited about it. And that, it's one of the guys I was talking to that works there that listens to the show. He brought that up and he was actually really excited that our show talks so much electric because he was kind of like on the same page we are. He's like, it is the future. Yeah. Maybe not a hundred percent the future. Like I don't, we don't think, and we, we hope it's not going to replace, but we know that it is happening. Well, like, dude, I mean, there's even like hydrogen, there's other stuff that's not. Oh, for petroleum, sure. Petroleum, but I mean, there, it's all but being electric explored seems, and like it or not, I think electric is the, the most one that's viable been for motorcycles, I think, for yeah. sure. And, you know, they were talking range anxiety and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I still, I still stand behind after riding the zero and, and the research that we've done that as a daily commuter, electric is where it's at. Yeah. There's been a handful of times that I've ridden to San Diego and back and would have needed to charge a bike. The rest of the stuff is around here to the Lion and yep. back to Orange County, back or whatever. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, how I, far actually is San Diego from here, though? It's like 150 miles, I think. Is it? Okay. Depending I just rode on it how. Like two weeks ago. Yeah, so. depending on where you go in San Diego. Yeah, because we're North LA. I rode from. And, they, and I was going to like South San Diego. From what, what beach is south of Coronado? Uh, Coronado, uh, Tijuana Beach, like Coronado's so pretty right, far south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I rode. I was down at the dealer show a couple weeks ago, um, and I rode down Coronado because I hadn't been on Coronado in probably twelve or thirteen years since my buddy, maybe a little more Dude, since like, my buddy graduated. IB Coronado is like pretty far south. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I rode across. So we were in like downtown by the gas lamp. So I rode across the bridge to North Coronado. Rode down Coronado. Um, I had to fill up there and I made it, I made it, I didn't quite make it home on a full tank. So yeah, it's like probably 150 from the South edge to Pasadena. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, but you know, I think it's happening. I think the range is getting there. Um, it's getting better. And the fact is like, again, so for something like that, yeah, if you're commuting to San Diego every day, you can't do it. But if you're commuting, you know, I do 30, which is kind of far. It's 45 minutes, but I know guys that do more, you know? So if you can do 60, 80 miles one way and then plug your bike in at work, 
it's I think it's a hot setup. I think it's happening. The live wire I think looks good too. Yeah. The new I, the it looks a lot different than the one they showcased a while ago and it looks But it looks badass. similar to it. It looks more production ready mm-hmm. where the original one was very billet machined. Mm-hmm. This one looks a lot more cast, but I think it looks better. I think the fairing looks good. I think the faux tank, I don't know what you would call it. It's not really a gas tank, but it's got a little cover. Charger cover, the charger holder. Yeah, I don't knows? know. Um I, I mean think it looks good. The yeah, like the, the fairing and the turn signals and even the motor like the housing the battery housing yeah. the motor housing looks a little different and I than think the production to me the they went one. the right direction with it it looks naked sport bike yeah oh yeah not cruiser they didn't they didn't try to take a harley and make it electric oh yeah which i think is good because i don't think those are the same people yeah and I, it's good that they see that and they're not trying to do a electric v-rod or something like that yeah you know? i can tell you so, though right now i i know about 17 people that if you made a fake v-twin cast like housing and smashed it over the they would buy it just because it looks like a cruiser see i hate that there was a bike at the one show that was electric and it looked like a v-twin and it was just covers and i'm like to me that defeats the purpose of a motorcycle not the purpose defeats the visual of a motorcycle like the beautiful thing about a motorcycle especially a naked one is you see the workings I don't want fake workings. You know what I mean? Like, so what if it's an electric? I think on a zero, the electric motor looks good. The round motor right in front of the swing arm. Yeah. I think the motor itself looks good. It's got the little heat sink. I think the batteries and how they did the frame around the batteries is disgusting. <laughs> um, and and on the DSR, I think it looks a little better. I mean, you were talking about the Supermoto. I actually saw a Supermoto in the wild, and I didn't even notice it because it was... But when you had time, we had time to sit there and, like, yeah. look at it. Yeah, you yeah. noticed a bunch of stuff. But I think the Livewire looks good. I am I will be very interested to see the price point. If I had to guess, it's going to be more than a zero. Um, hopefully, it's not as much as an Energica. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. I really hope they sell. I hope it's a good thing for him. And here's a huge, huge, huge benefit that I just talked with someone at the 115th that I didn't know at the dealer show that I didn't really think about. Think how many and how close together and the locations for Harley dealers. Now, Harley already has an infrastructure to set up charging stations. So if every dealer puts in a charging station with a couple plugs, now you have a gas station every how many miles where you can stop and plug if you're on a trip. It's not ideal yet, but it's it's already better than Tesla. Yeah, and I mean, talking to our the guest John a few episodes ago when they're going all over the United States as it is, setting up infrastructure here and there that's even more add that add harley yeah, dealerships for sure. to your map now yeah and you know i would have to think that they would allow anyone to charge there but i'm just saying it, it's it's a it's an infrastructure that already exists the locations are already there just getting the dealerships to put them in and you know I if think you have an electric motorcycle and you're looking at i guarantee harley would let you charge there because yeah. if you're on a bramo they could or not bramo but a zero or something they could maybe talk you into trading that in for a Harley. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, and you know, that's honestly kind of their deal is their, the dealerships are friendly to motorcycles, Mm -hmm. to all motorcycles. Um, and that's one of the reasons they get so many customers to convert, but you know, like I said, I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good looking bike. 
I would say <coughs> to our listeners there, I would really like to ride one, maybe have it for a couple months to, you know, get an in-depth feel of or something. But um, no, I, I think <laughs> it's definitely a good thing. The Street Fighter, I'm super excited Chris for. Chris will be providing the insurance, not the show. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't care. We're going to have to go. <laughs> Progressive, I need to insure this bike. It's yeah. not really out yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And congratulations to Harley on 115 and just doing it. I mean, having the future and also showcasing the past and then showcasing the fun and the lifestyle and having one of the... You were voted um, America's Friendliest Hooligan, by the way. Um, I know JJ... Were you the only one that voted? Bella voted. <laughs> <laughs> I just did nominations here, so I didn't have time to post them out. But so there, there was only time to do two votes. But uh, but yeah, so that's, um, that's the 115. That's going to be our show. We're getting... We're getting along in the tooth. And uh, yeah, man, you got any cool sign-offs? That's it. 